Hello, Yuri Maru here, second in command of the Eight Devils of Kimon. A few things before we start. First off, a warning to listeners. This show discusses adult themes, such as sexual assault and rape, along with lots of foul language. Definitely not safe for work, unless you work as a magic ninja assassin in an amoral world. Secondly, the hosts were using my patented wire-in-mouth communication technique to record the show. However, they did not get the alignment correct until a few minutes in. Pardon their foolish mistakes. The audio quality improves after that. Without further ado, enjoy the show. everybody, I'm Eric from the Vertiguys podcast. I'm Joanna, and this is Ryan. Well, you can't see me pointing. Anyway, Joanna and Ryan are here from What's Lightsaber's Precious. Yeah, I'm here. And uh, I'm Connor. I used to be on a podcast. I'm just sort of free soloing right now, though. And we are here to talk about the epic anime film Ninja Scroll. I think we're going to have to explain why... For this podcast, we chose the subject of an original video animation from, like, 1992 or something. 1993, actually. Jubei Nimpucho, in Japanese, literally means Jubei the Wind Ninja. Well, that makes more sense than Ninja Scroll, because there is no scroll in this film. A distinct lack of scrolls! (laughs) Yeah. We noted that, too. That is irksome. I was incensed. But what happened was that uh, we realized at my birthday party that we had both seen this movie... And that it was completely ridiculous. Well, Joanna and Eric had. I had not seen this until last night. Oh, shoot. And let me tell you, I love this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Do you? Outside of the the sexual violence and the misogyny rampant throughout, this movie rules, dude. So it rules apart from basically everything this movie is. Yeah. Well, it's got very good character designs. Oh, I love them. That's true. If you like guys with big chins, too, this is the <laughs> anime for you. This is actually the uh, prototype of the crimson chin from the Fairly Odd Parents yeah. came from Ninja Scroll. Almost. Yeah. I think, I, yeah, I put down that he has a Bruce Campbell chin. But yes, it's, it's uh, really When people good. say that something is anime influenced, what they mean is chins straight out of Ninja Scroll. <laughs> Chinja Scroll, really? <laughs> Now, Connor, had you seen this movie prior to this? No, uh, I knew it was part of the like holy trinity of anime that came over to the United States along with Ghost in the Shell and Akira. But uh, I more like that kind of like nerdy techno stuff rather than the Edo era uh, J- Japanese stuff. So I had avoided it until two nights ago. I don't think you need to worry so much because if you're looking for a historically accurate anime on the Oedo period, <laughs> this ain't it. <laughs> so now, Ryan, my understanding is that you looked up some background information on. This movie, as Connor said, this was one of three big ones that came over to the United States in like the early to mid '90s, alongside Ghost in the Shell and Akira, that actually had somewhat of an impact yeah. in the United States. Yeah, this is directed by Yoshiaki Kawajiri. He's a pretty prolific anime director. He did like Cyber City Oedo, one called Wicked City, I've never seen Vampire Hunter D. Oh, I've seen that. And a 2007 anime version of Highlander. Which came out. I'm sorry? There was a 2007 anime version of Highlander? And the same guy who directed that directed Ninja Scroll. I've said this on my podcast before, but I'm holding out for the Broadway musical of Highlander, which totally needs to be a thing. Only if Lambert's in it, and he has to sit. Well, it's got all the Queen songs, right? Like all the... Uh, the, the, Yeah, yeah, one would hope. Give me the 
surprise! Um, it was directed. It was animated by Madhouse, which is the same studio that did like Perfect Blue, Trigun, Death Note, Paprika, Wolf Children, and One Punch Man more recently. So pretty prestigious uh, studio. I was gonna say, wow, that's a pedigree. I didn't know. Yeah, so the story is actually based on the novelist Futaro y- Yamada's books. He's a Japanese novelist and also Western spy fiction. And Jubei's character, the main character of this of the Ninja Scroll, uh, is usually inspired by an actual historical figure, uh, Yagu Jubei Mitsuyoshi, who's a uh, samurai from the 1600s. Like Connor said, is kind of the holy trinity of movies that came out and got a lot of American fans interested in anime as like, you know, cartoons for adults, mature themes. The Wachowskis, you know, the guys who made The Matrix. Well, the, the, oh, the former guys. The, <laughs> the people who made The Matrix. Right, the folks. They were super influenced by it, and they actually got uh, Yoshiaki Kawajiri to come back and do a segment for The Animatrix. Which segment? Cool. Uh, I don't I don't have it written down. But yes, it's yeah, they, they loved him so much, they said, hey, work on a movie. So I thought that was kind of cool. Anyway, that's some background. I, I can talk more about the voice acting and, and some of the other things later on, but... Yeah, it should be noted that while I and Ryan watched the English dub of this movie. Eric and Connor actually watched the Japanese so we can compare notes on the voice actors. Subs v. Dubs. As Eric and I are the only true anime fans in this group. Of <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. We are complete pretenders. Yeah. So, Joanne, I know you have some kind of personal history with Ninja Scroll. Yes, I do. Can you share with the class? Actually, I was very happy to hear that uh, Eric had watched it before because for years I've been searching for someone to help normalize my trauma (laughs) surrounding this movie. Actually, the thing is, it wasn't as violent and sexual as I remembered, but I think that's because I've been desensitized in subsequent years. When I was like 11 or 12, uh, my friend Avion and I got my dad to take us to a place called Front Row Video in our hometown. And Front Row Video was not a chain. It was where you would go if you wanted to rent something really weird. Now explain what a video store is. Okay, so for all you there. children, all you Zoomers out there. So before you had Netflix and Hulu and all the streaming sites, you would actually have to go to a physical building and rent a movie. And before we had DVDs, we had these things called VHS. VHS tapes and these things called VHS tapes sucked and sometimes your machine would eat them and the tape would get all tangled up inside and the quality was super bad. So there you go. That's a brief history of video stores. So I went to Front Row Video and my friend Avion told me that her older brother had showed her this cool movie called Ninja Scroll. Keep in mind she was also about 11 or 12 at the time. We convinced my dad to let us rent it but the guy at the cashier said, you know, sir, are you sure you want to rent this for these children because there's a lot of graphic sex and violence in this. And my dad's reaction, because my dad was extremely irresponsible and also an alcoholic, was, oh my gosh, no, it's fine. They love these Japanese cartoons. It's going to be fine. He did not stick around and watch it with us, by the way, (laughs) because he was irresponsible. So we watched it alone in my bedroom on a Sunday afternoon, and I cried afterwards. I was very traumatized, and parts of this movie have stuck with me my entire life. So when I found out Eric had watched it, naturally, I wanted to talk about it. Well, and like... I'm a grown-ass man, and the first time I saw it, I was like, should I be watching this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this okay? Like, I, should I, do I need to call my parents for permission? Yeah. <laughs> do I need parental guidance? I think, I think we all need guidance of some kind after seeing this. So I think we ought to get into the movie itself. Should yeah, we, I dive right in? I, yes. I think we should. So we open with the main character, Jubei, and he's crossing a bridge, and he's apparently coming from a job. And he's eating a rice ball. Yeah, and he pulls this awesome move with a rice ball because 
he gets like attacked by two guys who are kind of put out by the job he just did and he has no place to put his rice ball so he just like throws it into the air <laughs> yeah the one guy looks kind of like Vegeta I noticed the guy who attacks him like the weird skinny guy he has the same he has Vegeta hair oh okay yeah. yes yeah. and Jubei suggests that Vegeta eat, eat the rice ball he does and then chucks it at him he does and that's how we start off in the uh, Japanese version, he doesn't suggest that he eats it. He asks him to hold it for him because he oh. has no place to put it. Oh, so that was them punching up the script they for the Americans. Yes. We should mention in the English version, I can put a clip of him in here, but Jubei is the dorkiest sounding dude in the world in English. <laughs> he sounds like his name is Greg and he's a middle school teacher. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> All right, gang. They're a poor small clan. You can't swindle 300 pieces of gold for a sword. You're asking too much. You're the fool. He's just like, eat this rice ball. It's right. me, Jubei. His voice is awful. Um, okay. you, you wonder what type of people they had available to do voice acting for things like this before it was really famous. And it's, so, like, it's like ten people, as far as I can tell. Because you go back to all these old movies, they have the exact same cast, just different, swap them around to so different places. I mean, since this podcast is R-rated as opposed to the one we usually do, which is like supposed to be <laughs> PG, supposed to be, I can admit... That whenever I watch especially erotic Japanese animation from the 90s, it's always the exact same three people in it, and they objectively suck, and for some reason they kept getting hired. <laughs> now, I do have some information about Jubei's actor. His name is Dean Wine. Ah, I'm Dean! Dean. Oh, we're calling out people by name now. <laughs> he planned such prestigious roles as Highway Patrolman Number 1 in Knight Rider, a Church Member in Dragnet, Swag in Tales of the Gold Monkey, Baller. and... Uh, Tenko, who's the bad guy from Fushigi Yugi. So, cool. Yeah. I mean, he really had a great, illustrious career after doing Ninja Scroll. So, Greg throws a rice ball. <laughs> right. So, he throws this rice ball up in the air because he has no place to put it. And by the time it comes back down, he has killed the two dudes who attacked him. And he, well, I guess he didn't kill one of them, but he's dispatched the two dudes that attacked him, and he just catches it, and it's totally boss. You can tell he's the coolest guy in the world, just from this one scene. You say, this guy, this guy rules. Uh, but then, like, instead of, like, being like, oh, I'm, you know, not troubled, I'm just gonna continue eating my rice ball and walk on like a pimp, he instead is like, uh-oh, thunder, and starts booking it. Looks like a storm is brewing here. I better get moving. <laughs> he's very he's not afraid to kill a man but he is afraid of storms <laughs> scary. it's really scary it's gonna melt the rice ball he had That's priorities true, <laughs> and in the, in the thunderstorm we get this shot of these like ninja ring wraiths riding through the woods on horses and they have these sick capes flat behind them who are these mysterious individuals we don't know all I know is that whoever did the sound effects for this part has never heard the sound of horses because <laughs> every time there's horses riding by it sounds like somebody shaking one of those like Native American rain sticks yeah here let's get the sound of those real quick I'll put that in there Yeah, so there's these guys riding through the night, and they meet some other guys riding through the night, and we don't really know what happens. But somehow, a whole village is dead afterwards. Yeah, the village is real messed up. Shimoda is the name of the Shimoda. village. And everybody appears to have died of some kind of plague. One of them, who is Shikachi's daughter, as I wrote down, Good. makes her that. way to a neighboring village... And she is seemingly some sort of zombie riddled with the plague. I, I did write down, though, that her boobs still look great. I'm glad you took notice of that. Everybody's boobs look the, great. The plague does not affect boobs. It does not yeah. affect everything else, but not boobs. And so she accosts two very startled villagers. Who have really funny voices who in have English. really hilarious voices in English. Oh, guys, I thought we were in a real fix. <laughs> Well, they're about to... Is this unreal? What? <laughs> <laughs> they're 
you're about to be in a real fix. And the other guy's like, are you sick or something? Like, <laughs> she, one take. One take's all we need. She <laughs> is sick or something because she tells them in a voice seemingly not her own that a great evil force has come. And then we pan away to some puppet master evil ninja guy that is apparently controlling her. And as soon as he lets go of the strings, she falls down dead. Just to, to jump ahead a little bit, that's got to be Shijima, right? He's the only one of the yes. bad guys that has mind control power. The shadow guy, see. right? Shijima, yes. Yeah, the, he's also the dude who can hide in shadows. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, okay. There's a lot of names in this. I didn't remember all of them. Actually, as the movie started, I tried to write down all the characters I remember, and what I got was Sword Man, Poison Lady, Tiny Gross Old Man, Business Fuck Man, Giant Rapist, and Snake Vagina. <laughs> Yeah, this <laughs> is business fuck man. All I remember the Chamberlain. was Chamberlain. <laughs> oh, was some right, old right. dude conducting business while fucking. That's all I remember. So this movie is a movie that has like three protagonists and then eight separate villains, as well as a bunch of side characters. It's a lot to keep track of for for like a ninety minute movie. We'll do our best, yeah. to separate who's who. Anyway, so oh, and we're about to meet that that Chamberlain guy because in the next scene he is being told about the dead village. It seems like, is he, like, peeing? <laughs> is that what's... I thought he was meditating. Maybe he's peeing while meditating. He's, like, standing in the garden and his dude doesn't want to come too close. Maybe he is <laughs> peeing. That's it possible. Just seems, it just seems like any time he's talking, any time this guy has a conversation with subordinate, he's got his dick out. <laughs> yes, something with his penis. He makes a point of it. Well, they do say that he is the scion of a very small clan, but they never tell us what the clan is called. Maybe it's called the Dicks Out Clan. Everybody has to have their dick that out. That sounds reasonable, Joanna. <laughs> that sounds entirely reasonable. I bet that's the answer. I actually think they're called the Koga Clan. I just remembered oh, that Koga, the name. Koga Clan are the ninjas. It's yes. like, uh, they're having a meeting, uh, Hansa and his burly boys club. They all got really wide shoulders. Your shoulders gotta be this wide to join. No narrow doorways in this club. And this new ninja shows up. This lady ninja shows up. Kagero. Kagero. And they're like, no chicks allowed, Kagero. Go, like, eat some poison or something. That's her job. She eats poison yeah. for, the, for the clan. She's the poison taster. The poison for the Chamberlain, taster. so he doesn't Just he doesn't get poisoned and die. It's pretty cool. She gives herself a dramatic haircut, which they, people always do in anime and movies, and it always looks good. She has this cool kind of, like, fashionable mullet thing going on for the rest of the movie. But, like, I don't think that would work in real life, right? Like, if you gave yourself that haircut, you, like, hold your hair back, and you cut it with a sword. I, I, I can attest to it that Connor, it doesn't work do out that? so well. No, no, no. I just got a lot of hair. Uh, oh. You can all see this now as I, well. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God podcasts are such Connor, a visual medium. He just pulled out a sword and gave himself a haircut, and it looks great. Yeah. Yeah. So, but without the benefit of a mirror. We stand corrected. We get kind of the plot of the movie from this scene as well. Right. So Hanza is the Chamberlain's main dude, and he is explaining to all the other ninjas that they need to go investigate this uh, presumably uh, cursed village that got wiped out by a plague and figure out what's going on. And Kagero wants to join in. Right, yeah. And they tell her, no girls allowed. And she, like, pulls out a knife. And instead of fucking up any of these dudes, she just fucks up her own hair. And they're like, (laughs) all right, we can't. We can't mess with that. There's nothing we can say to that. (laughs) All right, well, that's a sound argument. So... Okay, so like next we got we've got all the the Kogi ninjas just like hopping through the woods, which is actually like I can't I couldn't decide if I thought it looked stupid or sweet. It looks awesome, dude. What are you talking about? Ninjas okay. leaping from branch to branch is so cool. Okay, 
I think that it's probably equal parts stupid and sweet. Like a lot, like a lot of this movie. That's why I think I like this movie. It's because it's, it's just so dumb, but it takes itself so seriously, and everything about it is so like <laughs> dire and severe. There's like very few jokes, but everything's very funny. So the the ninja clan or the ninja army is making their way through these woods, but somebody's like starts picking them off. But then like Yurimaru just, like, electrocutes a dude, which obviously makes a lot of noise. Yeah, because there's nothing more stealth than, like, shooting a million volts of electricity into a guy and lighting up the whole forest. So this guy, Yuri Maru, he's this this very, like... How would you describe Yuri Maru? I mean, he's, He's like, the classic ambiguously gay villain, except it's not that ambiguous because they straight up say it. But um, he has, like, like this line that will wrap around people and then electrocute them with his powers. Yeah, it seems like the electricity comes out of his ribcage. Like, they showed his ribcage glowing at one part. Like, when he zapped zapped all the ninjas. I missed that. Yeah, electric ribcage attack. But Yuri Maru is not the biggest problem that these ninjas have got. Oh, no. Quite literally. There's a much bigger threat. Because that's when we see Tessai for the first time. Actually, we see his boomerang sword, which just seems to have an intelligence of its own. I called him Frankenstein when he showed up. I don't know what else to call him. Giant rapist is what I called him. (laughs) Actually, it's Rapenstein's monster. (laughs) Rapenstein was the scientist, not the monster. (laughs) Actually. There's this big, gross, like, rock man with this massive boomerang sword club thing. He's insane. He rips the guy's arms off. And drinks the blood out of the bleeding arms. I, yeah, well, but, but but first, I want to point out that before he rips Hansa's arms off, uh, Hansa sees him. He's, like, the first of the ninja to, like, you know, catch a glimpse of this guy. And he throws, like, a billion shurikens at him. He does! He's got yeah, a he, fucking I shuriken know. machine gun. I forgot the word shuriken, and so I wrote Naruto stars, but, like, Naruto, it really was Naruto so those. many. <laughs> And his light hits the tree really well, you know. Yeah. Like Hansa, can you hit a tree? Sure, I can. Yes. Yes, so Hansa tries to save Kagero, who has been cornered by giant rapist, a.k.a. Tasai. But as we stated, he rips Hansa's arms off and drinks the blood. Kagero runs, but giant rapist catches her, and then he takes her to a shrine mm-hmm. to perform, well... A um, rape. A rape. So we are now ten minutes into this movie, and we've got a rape scene. <laughs> yeah, he's doing sex crimes in the Shinto shrine here. I wrote down, has this guy ever had sex before? Because all he seems to know is licking. <laughs> he just keeps licking. grossest licking. He, like, literally, first he, like, unhinges his jaw and puts her entire-ass boob in his mouth. Then he licks her leg. Then he starts gumming, like, half of her head. He's, like, giving her, like, CPR practice. Like, he says, mouth <laughs> yeah. over mouth, just... That's not how you do it, bud. She wakes up and tries to fight him off, and he delivers the line that my 12-year-old self inside has never forgotten. Shut up. Don't let it cross your mind that I wouldn't mind raping a dead girl. Romantic. Ugh. So this is still the setup to the plot of yeah, the movie. Yeah, this movie hasn't started yet, really. It's ten minutes in, and they got this rock man licking a, licking a lady all over the wrong places. But wait a tick. Because our hero's about to show up. Yeah, he turns around, and who's sitting there in the shadows with his cool hat? It's Jubei. Jubei. Uh, he of the bridge and the rice ball. Yes. Uh, who just sat there and let all of this happen to this point. He, this is not the first time he does this, either. There's a few no. scenes where he's in the scene, he's just kind of sitting there cool. Like, imagine how, like, how awkward that'd be to kind of, like, sidle in the scene and just kind of, like, try to get your pose right and, like, make sure your knee's in the right spot and, like... While someone is being assaulted! Yes! Come well, on! Like he's, Come on, like Greg! He's, it's like he's trying to, like, subtly cock-block the guy, but this is clearly, like, a rapist. Like, just the fact that you're sitting there isn't gonna stop him from doing it. I feel like the part before he put a whole titty in his mouth is maybe the 
the part to like make your clear your throat and announce your presence. Yeah, like, like you can intervene anytime here, Jubei. Seriously. I don't know. I think that that does show something kind of a little fucked up on the writer's part because it would have been easier to cut this off and still have the implication of like the sort of just you know extreme depravity of sure but you could even keep the line about raping a dead girl that's super depraved you could have him say that and still not show him inhaling a breast he doesn't actually like do any insertion or anything but it's still very gross it's very Mm -hmm. just like you know there's a point when it cuts away as he like basically starts to perform oral on her and Mm -hmm. that to me was just a particularly like and maybe it is because of the limits of animation and anime at the time and the fact that you can't necessarily show as detailed a facial expression as you can with a human but like to cut away as soon as something like that happens to the victim's face and as something that isn't quite clear whether it's like a shiver of terror or like a quiver the fact that there's still an erotic element to it made this like really disturbing even outside of the act itself but the fact that this was left in the way that it was right like they like, really wanted to show it not yes. just have it like, like you implied, could tell but... somebody was getting their rocks off yes, at least a little that's bit. exactly it. it's right. not even just showing it it is the fact that this was like a blatantly sexualized scene yes yeah so Jubei won't go away and Tessai the big rapist tells him that he's gonna fuck him up if he doesn't go away and so they start fighting and we see that Tessai is able to like he, he's not stone skinned all the time but he's able to turn his skin to stone yeah. at will but Jubei deduces that his eyeballs will still be soft right. and, uh, and so he puts a knife into one of them right he gets all like the thing he's got the stone skin and everything and yeah it's clobbering time knife in the eye I mean like he said like there's one part of you that's gotta be soft I thought it was gonna be his dick honestly I thought it was gonna be like yeah, I thought there's a reverse correlation where every time he got hard the rest of his that's what I thought and Jubei's like as a matter of fact I've been thinking about your body. Like, that's not like English. <laughs> and it's like, whoa! That Jube, that's why you didn't interrupt you, that you were thinking about You know that. what? Respect the reversal of the male gaze. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Jubei and Kagero uh, book it out of there, and Tasai starts chasing them, but is informed by his boss that he can't. Yurimaru calls him off. Yeah, this is string guy. Yeah, don't get distracted. Keep your eye on the prize. And this is the first time we catch sight of, there's, there's a a little gross old man watching them from a tree. Yes. Yup. So tiny old pervert man. Right. That's, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but Dakuan? They said it different in it, the English dub Dakuan? every time. Dakuan? Da- At first I thought it was Dakuman. Like, they said it yeah. different every time. Dakuan. And in English he sounds like this. I'm Dakuan. I, I hop from tree to tree. They had to give him a little old man. Like, when they first showed up, I was like, is there a leprechaun in this movie? What the hell? <laughs> Like, it's out of nowhere. For, for simplicity's sake, we'll call him Yoda. And... Yes, 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 yes. Rather than dispensing wisdom, he just dispenses inappropriate comments about other people's sex lives. Yes. So speaking of witnessing other people's sex lives, um, <laughs> Kigero goes to inform the Chamberlain of what happened. And this is the scene where, like, he's having a conversation with her while just plowing the lady. Just hitting it from behind. I, I believe it's called sexplanation of what's going on. Uh, Game of Thrones did it really well. I think it's where they got the idea from, is from Ninja Scroll. Almost certainly. Moving the plot along while, while railing a lady. Yeah, so yeah. while he's railing this lady, Kagero reports to him what happened and says, you know, all the other Kogun ninjas are dead, and he says, well, you're still alive, so you go back to Shimoda and find the killer, because it worked out so well for her the first time. Well, and in case, like, we didn't get enough, this guy isn't actually a villain, as far as I can tell, he never does anything bad. No, he's just kind but, of weird. But in order to, like, really underline the point, like, if the fact that he's taking a meeting while boning a chick is not enough. 
He also refers to the 20 dead men that he just lost as useless, so that we know that he's a real jerk. He's kind um, of an a-hole. This movie is signaling really heavily that he's a bad dude, despite the fact that he never, like, goes full-on right. villain. Yeah. Right. Was, was the person Joanna described as business fucker uh, in her... Business fuck man. Business fuck man. Excuse me. He's the, she's the Chamberlain and uh, the leader of this small clan. That uh, this also gives credence to the idea that maybe Chamberlain was jerking off by the fountain earlier, and he's only oh, able to talk about it. things yeah. while he's performing some sort of sexual act. Maybe <laughs> you guys saw an explanation. He, yeah. <laughs> he has to get like right to the edge of orgasm, and that's the only time he can talk. <laughs> Chamberlain, like three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait. Okay, now let's talk stock options. <laughs> you said we're committing to a not PG thirteen episode, right? Okay. So Jubei, going about his life, going about his business, he sees a beautiful horse. That charges at him beautifully. It's a beautiful animal. And then Tessai, like, straight up just reaches through the wall. Not like one of those paper walls or anything, but like a stone wall and just, like, pulls him through it. And oh, like, yeah! He's gonna get... <laughs> Tessai, is, Tessai is ready for revenge. It's clobbering time again. I keep thinking about, as Ben Grimm, and how much better his voice would be if he talked like Ben Grimm. I mean, I have a loving blue-eyed rapist. <laughs> I thought you were doing a Kool-Aid man bit. I was, I was doing that, yeah. and I, was, I switched over to Ben Grimm. All right, yeah, anyway. No, it'd be good. It'd be good. There was, there was some excellent uh, dialogue, by the way, at this point in the English dub of the movie. So Jubei says, uh, I know the way now, so leave me alone, because earlier he'd been feigning that he was a lost traveler. Right. And uh, the ever-loving blue-eyed rapist says, The way to hell is right here. <laughs> no. Oh, okay, so in, in Japanese he says the way to hell is over there, and then he throws him. Oh. Jubei has a great line here, too, I thought was very badass, where he's like, if we keep up like this, one of us is going to die. Like, you're fighting a huge rock man who's clearly just about to crush your head, and you're like, <laughs> one of us is going to die? Like, that's showing some confidence. Yeah, it's I not think. necessarily going to be me, either. This is also the last time that Jubei's character of, like, the wisecracking guy is ever really fully realized. After this, he just becomes kind of morose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of a gloomy Gus after this yeah. part. That's true. Well, he breaks a lot of ribs in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, he's a ninja. He knew what was going to happen. <laughs> Speaking of things breaking, suddenly, giant rapist, his rock skin starts crumbling. Yeah, so and, exfoliated. And Jubei is able to cleave his unexfoliated head in twain. So, what Jubei only cuts off his fingers, which prevents him from catching his sword, which he has thrown, and his head is actually split by his own sword. Ah, that's right. That's what it is. And it slides all the way down the sword. All the way down, just leaving this trail of blood. And Tiny Gross Old Man shows up, and oh, he is so impressed with Jubei. And uh, he tells him that Giant Rapist was actually poisoned ahead of time. Right? right. This is when we find that you out. didn't mm-hmm. beat him alone. Yes. Uh, before we go too far past the fight with Tessai, I just want to point out that we do see a couple of Jubei's abilities for the first time. One is that he has, well, maybe this is the same thing. So, first of all, we see that his sword is on a string, so that he can pull it back to himself if he ever loses it. I don't know if that's called an ability, or just like... Tying a string. Well, tying a string is <laughs> So, they, in the Japanese... I've got a lot least, of abilities, if that's <laughs> ability. In the subtitles, at least, of the Japanese version, they cut, like, everybody's always talking about everybody else's technique. Right. It's a technique. It's a ninja it's technique. technique. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. sword on a string. So yeah. The other thing, and maybe it's also because his sword is on a string, but it seems like he can, like, slash his sword in such a way that it kind of is like a long distance slash Mm. where it hits stuff at long range despite the fact that 
we don't see it leave his hand. It kind of cuts through the wind. Maybe that's where the Jubei the Wind Ninja title that's comes from. That's probably what sure. it is. That's probably yeah. what it is. But yeah, so that was jumping back a little bit. But to jump back ahead, Dakuan tells Jubei that since he has killed Tessai, the eight devils of Kamon are all going to be his enemies now. And he's basically fucked unless he helps Dakuan fight them. Yes, yes. And I'll pay you a hundred gold pieces. And Jubei is not interested. Jubei's like, nah, initially. I'm good, thanks. Not interested yeah. at all. Tessai was poisoned ahead of time. The reason? Kagero's body is literally poison. Because she's the poison taster. As we, yeah, as we will find out later, it's because he aggressively put his mouth on her. Suck tit, get hit. <laughs> <laughs> it goes around, comes around, bitch. So in our next scene, we have an interaction between uh, Yurimaru and Genma. Who are apparently lovers, but in this scene they only communicate at long distance by putting a string in both of their mouths. And I had a string I was going to bring with me to see how hard it'd be to talk with a string in your mouth. It seems like it'd be really hard. That's kind of holding it like inside their their lip. Put your hoodie string in your mouth. Okay. So like they have to talk like this, and the string goes between them, and that's kind of like the can on a string technique. Where but it like, makes a robot voice. But it sounds like a robot voice when it gets to the other side. It's really unusual. Oh, do you think? Maybe, so the robot thing makes me think that maybe it's not supposed to be just like a cool ninja technique where if you, like this will work for any, anybody, yeah. but it's actually like a, a property of Yurimaru's electricity conducting oh, power. Like a telegram kind of thing. Mm. Oh, you that's might a, be onto something smart. there. That might be an idea. I didn't even think of that. I was just like, haha, that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it was dumb, but it was also like, yeah, maybe, maybe, you know. That's a long string though. Can you imagine how like hard it'd be to make sure that thing's maintained and like doesn't get tangled or... or snapped or anything like that because Gemma's like far away when they're talking well yeah if we're def if we're just counting on like sound vibrations to move through it the fact that it's like suspended from trees and stuff and like Gemma's holding it in his fingers would like absorb all those vibrations yeah. before they could reach him <laughs> but so that I guess that has to be the electricity thing cool but technique. anyway like this is where we get our first mention of the Shogun of the Dark who they are apparently working for we don't find out exactly what it is yet no not till the end not, but, 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 but basically to sum it up it's some force that is in opposition to the Tokugawa government. And so they're making all these machinations behind the scenes to try and overthrow the Tokugawa yeah. government. Uh, you know, an actual real-life government that existed in Japan. Which is probably era. the only historical thing in yeah. the entire movie. <laughs> yes, there was a thing called the Tokugawa government. So after he hangs up with Genma, uh, we also get a little bit of hint of like the interpersonal drama with Yurimaru here. Which is that this other ninja, another one of the devils of Kimon... Zakuru, and she tries to seduce him, and she tells him, like, your boyfriend Genma is also fucking Benisato, who is another one of the devils who we're about to meet. And so she's kind of like, so you should fuck me, I guess. Yeah, she and... gives him a lot of information. Your boyfriend is fucking somebody else. Also, your boyfriend's bisexual. I thought you'd want to know that. Also, like, you might as well just stoop me, but he still refuses. Yeah, he, like, and he is a real dick about it. He, like, makes it look like he's about to kiss her, and then he kind of, like, throws her off yeah. and is like, you're of no interest to and me. And he she goes, I have no interest in women. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what he says? That's what he says, yeah. Okay. Because, you know, Americans, we need it spelled out. We need it very spelled out. <laughs> very spelled out. So I actually Why thought... don't you have an interest in women? Yeah, I don't <laughs> understand. Maybe I'm he lost his dick in a fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a homosexual. You guys are like, that. <laughs> he goes to kiss her, and then he literally just puts his hand around her neck and goes, I'm a homosexual. <laughs> That's my ninja ability. You guys are making fun of the people who, like, needed this spell out, spelled out, but 
I did not realize that he... I assumed he was, like, bisexual also. Oh. Um, until you just told me okay. that, <laughs> that in English they spell out that he's Well, then, gay. Eric, you are the but, people that... You're the kind of person they were thinking of when they made it more explicit right. in the English version. Yeah, I, I don't know... Yeah, I don't know why I assumed he was bisexual, but no, yeah. No, respect just, to you for assuming fluidity. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. cool. Progressive Eric America. is the only progressive person on this podcast. The rest of us are horribly <laughs> regressive. <laughs> Disgusting. So we move on to the to the hot springs scene at this point. Which we- so Jubei has turned down Dakuan's request to join him for a hundred pieces of gold, and instead he goes to take a bath. And we see this this lady with a with a shamisen who has a sword inside of it, which she, is cool. I always wonder. They always have that in movies with samurais and stuff. She's like, how would the strings work? You open it up, like ring, oh. but just like <laughs> string back together, right? You're not supposed to like, think about that. Okay. But how can you how can you play it if you pull the neck open and there's a sword inside? Like, I don't know. Maybe the piece on the neck that the strings connect to, maybe that also detaches. Because the neck is the sword, right? It could also be a false head and they're actually just attached to the top of the neck. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've always wondered about that. Because, like, she, but they show it, like, the strings. It's, like, between two frets. She opens it up and there's, like, the sword. Oh, I don't know. yeah. I have no idea. Though. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only unrealistic thing that happens in this movie, though. Yeah, no. Oh, good. That's where we're yeah. getting hung out Yeah, yeah. Because I, I was starting to worry that this was going to be some kind of kid's film. <laughs> so she was taking a bath in this hot yellow water. You that know. looks like, it, looks I mean, like, it's, I, it's piss, babe. It's pee. It's, it's piss. <laughs> and she's this hot babe Again, things I did not pick up on. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't make that explicit. Yeah. They didn't have, you know, she the English like, version. Wow, I love like... this bath of piss. <laughs> <laughs> it's so warm. Some people like golden showers. He's <laughs> in the golden, golden bath. Yeah. Urine therapy is a thing. You go on Facebook, there's all these urine, urine therapy groups of, like, baby boomers drinking their pee. I yeah. actually um, heard about really this for weird. the first time yesterday because the guy from the Cinema Swirl podcast, like, retweeted oh, really? about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Beautiful. Um, well, it's a mixed uh, gender. Yeah, because there's this lady uh, here, bath. this hot babe with tattoos all over her. And a shamisen sword. So for everyone whose refractory period is now closed after the um, Chamberlain scene, back oh, at yeah. it. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Here comes round two. Make sure you don't chafe. Use lotion. <laughs> and this lady's like, oh, you come here often? And Juby's like, no, I'm a vagabond. And it's like, can you call yourself a vagabond? I was like, you, if you need to say it, like someone else should say yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think you can call yourself a vagabond, right? It's got to be a thing that like... It's like people who in school who are like, you know, like... Like, I'm Chuck now. Everybody calls me Chuck yeah, now. Man, everybody when, calls me, everybody calls me Chuck. Nobody calls me Charlie anymore. No one and calls you like, Chuck, man. You just said that. Like, nobody calls you Chuck. What are you talking about? <laughs> You're just trying to make Chuck a thing. I'm a vagabond. So this is this is Benny Sato, and she is covered with snake tattoos, which... So Jubei starts to flirt with her, and then quickly realizes that, like, uh-oh, her snake tattoos are, like, moving. Yes, her snake tattoos are alive. Yeah, the girl with the snake tattoos. Yes, uh, and she sends them out to attack Jubei. He's scared at first, but pretty quickly gets on top of this encounter and goes to, like, slash her in half. But, or no, he doesn't. He grabs her arm. He grabs her arm and it's all, like, limp and, and skinny. She's like, what the heck? And it turns out it's just her shed skin. She done wriggled out of her own body. She's like a real snake. It's crazy. Also, during the course of this fight, a random Naruto star came out and struck Jubei in the shoulder. That was like, it was weird because it was like uh, Dakuan was trying to help him. 
Because somehow that seems to distract the snakes from killing him right then. Yes. But so so at first I thought the shuriken hit her. Right. But no, it hit him. It hit you, babe. It hit you, babe. Add insult to injury. I think what happened is it stuck into him and he got really scared and he pissed into the water. So the poison just sort of immediately transferred and scared the snakes. That's why it's yellow. We have to find the logic in every scene. It has to make sense. Analytically, at all, analyze analytically. Anyway, yeah. That's the way. I mean, if you're going to analyze something, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Do it analytically, for God's sake. So she sheds her skin, and then tiny old pervert man, Dakuan, shows up. Right, so she she sheds her skin and fucks right off. Yeah, she's gone. She disappeared. We don't know where she went. So tiny old pervert man shows up. Wow, what do you know about that? He's just, you know, kind of mildly interested. <laughs> what do you know about that? Is he some sort of, like, snake oil salesman? Yeah, what do you know about that? We got all the snakes out of here, see? <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you've been poisoned, my friend. <laughs> Try my miracle sale. Run all over yourself. And then he decides to really strong-arm the negotiations <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. by poisoning him <laughs> and saying if he doesn't help, or Jubei doesn't help uh, Yoda... Um, then he's going to die. <laughs> yes. I have the antidote. And then yes. Jubei's like, well, final stab you then. He's like, no, that's not the right shuriken. <laughs> it's like really goofy. Yes. We also get more discussion of the Shogun of the Dark that he drops in this exposition dump. And we find out that the Shogun of the Dark is affiliated with something called the Toyotomi clan. Yes. Which is in opposition to the Tokugawa Shogunate which is the ruling government of Japan. Yes. And Tiny Old Perfect Man is, in fact, a Tokugawa spy. Yeah, so he, part of the he's government. He's a G-man. I mean, the political stuff, I, I had to pay attention to make these notes, but um, the political stuff, if you're not paying attention, it's very easy to miss. It's, it's like, what is yeah. going on? Talk about fiefs and retainers and all kinds of government drama. There's a big thing about a, a secret mine of gold. That's kind of... Oh, yeah, they talk about the gold mine at some length. Do they always, in English, do they always call it a mine of gold? Like, like like Neil Young. I mean, that's. <laughs> it, I think they did call it then. Like, oh, the secret mine of gold. <laughs> wow. Okay. Shogun of the Dark wants that that secret gold. It's somewhere out there, and they're trying to get it. Yes, the Shogun of the Dark wants the gold from a gold mine that was owned by the Yamashiro clan. After I wrote this down, I wrote, "I don't know what the fuck." <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess. In the past, Genma, our baddie here, used to be involved with the Yamashiro ninja clan or something. And Jubei and this guy called Shinkuro were friends and they were forced to kill one another by, I wrote, the king of the gold mine, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So Genma, who was involved with this gold mine, had Jubei and Shinkuro, who was nominally on another side of this conflict, even though they were friends, he ordered them to kill each other. Junbei killed Shinkuro. He killed his friend. He didn't want to. He killed his friend. He didn't want to. He was very upset afterwards. So after that, he tracked down Genma and cut off his head. Right. And so while they're, they're kind of floating down the river on a boat, it is restive for Junbei because he's just like lying there sleeping and seeming to not pay attention while, uh... Dakuan kind of reveals that he knows his whole backstory. Mm-hmm. And it really reminded me of um, Spike Spiegel, the way that he's like yeah. lying there sleeping 
while the other guy's, like, trying to get him to, like, care and pay attention. Right. Sure. But when he mentions Gen- that Genma is still alive, all- that-, that gets Jubei's attention. What? Yeah, yes. and he sits right up. Oh, yeah, and he, he drops an epic, like, what? Like, and, like, I-, I-, I... Nani the fuck? I can only imagine, like, in- I can only imagine that in English it was pretty epic. I know that in Japanese it was, like, it, it like, it's like you get, like, four syllables and the subtitle starts, what? <laughs> How can that all be I think what? like... <gasps> Gemma's alive? He's like, I'm quite sure I cut off his head. I'm quite I'm sure. I'm positive I did that. Logic would tell me that without a head, he wouldn't survive. <laughs> He'll never be the head of a major corporation. Fucking <laughs> um, <laughs> middle school teacher Greg. Yeah. <laughs> Shit out. We also get a brief drop-in scene here, uh, kind of in the middle of this scene, where there's just a bit of tension between Yurimaru and Benesato. Like, Yurimaru now knows that Benesato is... Fucking his boyfriend. And it's just like a real, like, this scene is only there to telegraph that one of them is gonna murder the other one later. Pretty much, yeah. So he tells her off, and right before she leaves, she's like, oh yeah, well, I'm fucking Genma! <laughs> so the, the drama continues in this polyamorous relationship. Right. Now Jubei and Dakuan are, like, separated. Like, they're not in the same spot anymore. Well, because... They separate because... There's in, fog. There's this fog. mist, which... Yeah. Which, um, Dakuan insists that the mist was heaven sent right before it makes him fall down a hill on his ass. I love the way he animates the tumble in this bit. Like, it's like, like ass over head. Just like, oh! it's, just like, it's amazing. I love and then it. he gets to the bottom of the hill and he's like, this goddamn mist! Even though he just <laughs> said that it was so awesome! Yeah. So there's like a lot that happens here in rapid succession of us seeing superpowers that we didn't know folks had. Right. Um, because Dakuan gets attacked by Shijima, who is one of the devils. We saw him before. He was the puppet master controlling that villager. I called him Jafar because I didn't know his name. So Jafar shows up and out of a shadow. Dakuan quickly realizes that he's only second rate mm-hmm. and hides in a tree, revealing like chameleon powers that we didn't know. Yeah, he had. turns into a branch, like homeboy. Straight up turns into a branch. It's like Groot's amazing. At the same time, we see Benisato. She is talking to Jubei in the guise of a freaky ass nun. Yeah, this old lady at a shrine is praying, like, I'm well, not a shrine, a temple. And she's like, We're all going to see the Buddha soon. We're all going to die. She has an incredible old lady voice. Her in voice the is English so dumb. good. I think it's probably the same actress that did that. Just being like, she, I'm very old. You can check by the waiver in my voice that I'm aging. And she's full of fucking snakes. Oh, yes, she is. <laughs> <laughs> and you have that in all capital letters yes, on your nose. Yes, really alarmed me. Like, her body bursts open, and it's just full of snakes. And Jubei looks up, and the ceiling's got this face made of snakes. And this... It's Genma's face it's made, Genma's of snakes. made of snakes. It's bonkers. But fortunately, well, fortunately, unfortunately, Kagero returns just at this moment and pulls a knife or a, a short sword of some kind. On Benisato, but Benisato has a secret weapon: vagina snakes. Yes, so you're. <laughs> but I have that in capitals. Vagina snake. Another part that I remember very well from when I watched this as a How kid. How long was that up in there? Like, I <laughs> presumably forever. I actually I remember one time I was told by um you know a lady doctor a gynecologist. You asked her about this movie and said hey, I asked her about this movie. Like, How long could you just check for snakes? Yeah. Like, <laughs> she, she snakes was like, in my vagina. I, I don't know if you guys know this. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but going to see the gynecologist can be a very awkward experience. So sometimes I'll try and keep up a conversation with you to like distract you and make it less awkward. And so she's like, yeah, one time this sex worker came in here and we found like two hundred dollars up in her vagina that she forgot was there, and she hid it up there because she 
was, you know, trying to hide it from her pimp. And so, you know, we just kind of like disinfected it a little bit, put it back in the plastic bag, and then she stuck it back up there. And you're like, what are you going to do? <laughs> Tales of womanhood. Yes. <laughs> wow. So, like, not to, like, not to give the, the, the listeners too much of a peek behind the curtain, but the conversation at my birthday... The vagina snakes were like a major topic. We definitely pulled up image of this, images of it on Google and showed it to everyone at the table, and the, um, the overall reaction was just like, "Wow, that's something." I think this is how we sucked Connor into this. <laughs> I, I, I would not recommend uh, turning safe search off if you're going to look up vagina snakes. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. Million finishes were born the day this movie came out. Yes, <laughs> yes. So the snake comes slithering out of Benny Sato's vagina, and it bites Kagero on the thigh, and at least in the English version, Benny Sato helpfully informs us her sting is the most deadly, which bothers me for two reasons. First of all, why is the snake in your vagina the most deadly? But second of all, it's not stinging, it's biting. What do you come on, tell come me? on. It's different. She's, she's actually, I think, a little more cool in the, in the Japanese because at least what the subtitles tell me that she's saying is, haha, you'll be dead soon. Oh, well, that's much better. So understated and just like... Yeah, lol. <laughs> but <laughs> fucking wrong because Kagero is totally immune to poison. Yep, she's been spending so much time eating poison to protect the Chamberlain that no poison can kill her. It's really upsetting how calm she is too. Like, I wish it would have just been a moment where the music cuts out and she sort of goes, "Is that a pussy snake?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I it's know. Like, yeah, it's really dangerous. Are you fucking kidding? No, me? it's like Kagero <laughs> really kind of seems like she's been here before. She's like, yeah, oh, she's bad way too used to that. <laughs> Like, um, oh, that old chestnut. <laughs> having having failed twice to kill Jubei, Benesato is immediately executed for her incompetence by Yurimaru using a method that doesn't really make a ton of sense. Well, there's a wire around her neck the whole time. Right. The whole time she's been here. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he slipped a wire on her. And even though she's, like, miles and miles away from him now, uh, the wire has never been, like, has never run out of length or been broken or cut. Or tangled or someone tripped over it. Anything like that. Like, right. And he and he electrocutes her. And she is killed. And obviously, like, one of the main reasons for this is because of the romantic rivalry between the two of them. Yes. Yes. yes absolutely. So he wins. He does. In terms of fighting for your man. He wins, I mean, by default. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because now she's... He's dead, so... Yeah, I mean, not to spoil anything, but Genma is going to be super blasé about it later when Yurimaru gets killed, and maybe that's because Yurimaru killed his other lover. Maybe so. Or maybe Genma just isn't a very good boyfriend. That's awesome! <laughs> <laughs> also, but they talk on the, on the medieval phone every night. That's true. Can you imagine, like... <laughs> Like, Gemma just, like, lying down, like, on her stomach on the couch, like, so what you up to? <laughs> what are kicking about? back in the yeah, air. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Twirling it around his finger. <laughs> so, that's, yeah. So, so, that's as soon, sad. so as soon as the danger has apparently passed, Jubei decides that he's going to give Kagero a bit of a licking, and she's like... No, no licking, dude. Just up. This is a no licking zone. <laughs> he has a really good line in English. He's like, Stupid, I was going to suck the poison out. Because she got bit on the leg by the vag snake, he wanted to try and suck the poison out of her leg, which I don't, I actually have heard does not work, and especially would not work like 
20 minutes after right. the fact. Right. <laughs> We're going to run it around and stuff. Yeah. It's popped into her veins already, but yeah, she's, she's gone. Yeah, well, I, I think that in a sort of, like, adventure movie sense, there's a, some logic to what, oh, he's, yeah. yes. to what he's doing. In a pulpy but, sort of heightened reality sense, for sure. Right. But she informs him that in addition to licking being prohibited... Team-ups are also prohibited. First, I think Jubei asks if they can team up, and she's like, nah. And then Dakuan shows up and asks if they can team up, and she's like, nah. But Dakuan says that he has information that she needs, and so she reluctantly agrees to go along. Mm -hmm. And as she walks away, Dakuan scopes her booty. He does. And informs Jubei that anyone who makes love to her dies. So you see, she's perfect in this amoral world. (laughs) <laughs> really good lines. I like that. Well, okay, <laughs> if you say so. Yeah. That ass. <laughs> the version that I saw was hellish world, which is a line that stuck with me, just because like it. Like I thought about it throughout the movie, and it's like, yeah, this world they live in is really it is good. hellish. Kind of what we sucks. live in. Oh damn, <laughs> President Cheeto, you brought it way the fuck back. <laughs> You know what we need in the White House? A woman who kills any man who sleeps with her. She'd be perfect in the same moral world. Yeah! <laughs> Snake Pussy 2020. Snake Pussy 2020! Next, there's a river, and it passes through or near uh, the dead village, which makes no sense, because we're going to find out that they poisoned all the water, which would mean that they poisoned the river, if that were true. But anyway, I don't want to... keep saying they poisoned the wells, though. I don't yeah, know why you need wells, wells if you had running water in a river, but whatever. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. if, there's, if, the, if, the, if they poisoned the wells, then they poisoned the groundwater, and that would poison the river, which would, like, poison the whole country. Yes, not but, just Shimoda Village. But I'm not going to stress about the water table in made-up Japan. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I will. You should not stress about that, because the very next thing that happens is fucking evil bees. I want to go back a little bit, because we actually get... This this kind of dope part where the way that they're traveling is by floating down the river hiding in a log, which I thought was really sweet and ninja-ish. But Yurimaru totally knows they're there anyway mm. and like drops one of his wires into the water and tries to electrocute them and instead he just electrocutes a ass load of That's fish. That's right. That's the fish genocide. Yep. We get another little moment of tension here between Yurimaru and another character. This time it's Zakuro and once again, this scene only exists to let us know that one of these people is going to murder the other one later. More drama on their end. Yuri Maro's kind of a drama magnet, actually. He's, he's also kind of a murderer. He's also, <laughs> well, I guess they're all. They kind of they are, they, aren't they all? I mean, they're all kind of murderers, but... Yeah, everybody yeah, in this can, movie's pretty you know, murderous. Don't start drama while you're at it, though. Murder is bad enough you know, already. He's kind of the kind of guy, like, in his dating profile, he's like, no drama, please. I'm tired of that. He's, he's the one starting it everywhere. Yeah, still, right. looking, still looking for someone who can handle me. No, mind <laughs> He's like, his headline is literally just like, I'm a beautiful mess. Or something like that. Here's a picture of me with hundreds of fish that I killed. No, he's got got a picture where he's holding up hundreds of dead fish. And then, like, the very next one after that, puppy filter. Respect them for not being afraid to make, like, the sexually ambiguous characters, like, messy bitches, too. That's true. true. He is a huge messy bitch. So, our heroes, not killed by by the electricity that was intended for them, make it to the dead village, and we see, like... Just a one little kind of subtle shot of Kagero tasting the water that the villagers had been drinking. And so, like, yeah, okay, she is a poison taster. She's doing her job. And she lets them know that the wells were poisoned and that's what killed the whole town. Not 
uh, an epidemic, as we were given to believe. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then... They're attacked by bees! Evil bees! Bees, not the bees! <laughs> this is uh, Mushizo, known to most fans as the bee guy. The yes. bee guy! Yes, the bee guy. And so he launches an epic epilepsy cloud of bees. At yes, seriously, didn't you write down yeah. epilepsy? Yeah, if you have uh, any condition that could be triggered by sudden intense, like flashing lights, do not watch There's this a few part. Bits in this movie that will do that, which I mean. is a shame because I think this is the best fight scene in the movie. It's pretty cool. Kagero tries to counter the bees by shooting sakura flowers out of her sleeve. Well, she puts she has anesthesia some anesthesia drug on the pedals and she shoots them out of her sleeves for like a good 15 minutes. They're just continuously coming out. Yeah, what's she keeping them on? I don't know. And at least in the... You have to tell us if it's the same it's in the, the Japanese same version. It's keeps his fucking billion <laughs> In the dub, it is said that when these pedals contact the bees, the bees fall asleep. Now, I am not an anesthesiologist, but a bee is small. To get just the right dose to make a bee fall asleep and not die, she really calculated I mean, the shit out of that. I, I like that they're environmentally concerned. Too. They don't right. want to kill the bees. Right. They just want to put them to sleep for a little bit. <laughs> right. The, so she, the feudal era Japanese knew what we didn't, which is that you have to maintain your bee population. <laughs> so she uses razor leaf on the bees, even though grass weakens bug, bug type. So I don't know what she's thinking there. But it works. It works. So what? Somewhat. She uh, manages to hold off the bees from killing her and Dakuan while Jubei has his big action scene. Yes. So, so he, like for 1992, this was like pretty progressive. Like he has a big action scene, she gets to be useful in an entirely passive way. <laughs> the fact that she gets to be useful at all, at any point, is like a big step forward. But, but yeah, he has this showdown in the barn with Mushizo, uh, and Mushizu tells him that, uh, that Genma knows reincarnation, and... I, I don't know. It's just... I, I don't know why I like it so much, but it's just sweet. No! Like, everything that happens in this barn is fucking cool. It is well. really, really cool. They fight in the barn. Mushizo removes his shirt to review reveal that his hunchback is just a beehive. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's got, like... From a distance, it has that kind of, um... What do you call it? Lotus pod? Yeah, lotus pod trip- tripophobia. Where it's like you have a fear of, like... like um, Irregularly spaced holes. Yes, yes. Right. It looks Ugh. very gross. They fight in the barn, and then they end up out by the river, and Jubei is underwater. They, they fight in the water. They fight in the water. Jubei cuts Mushizo's leg off from underwater, because he is a wind ninja, so yeah, he can like, yeah, do yeah. these long-range attacks. Mushizo also falls into the water, and then Shizo launches a small harpoon out of his mouth, and somebody who is watching says, The ninja has fallen victim to the throat needle. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, that was Yuri Maru saying that. Yes, the ninja has fallen victim to the throat needle. Right. We, <laughs> we see that uh, Yuri Maru and Zakuro are still watching from a branch. Yes. Yep. Just as spectators, though. They're not participating. Well, I, I mean, it's, that's just ninja etiquette. You attack one at a time. Right? Yes. As they always do in Ninja Turtles. So that's how you know it's there, there are bees. I don't want to get in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's true. If, if, you're, if, you're, if your dude's technique involves a cloud of bees, yeah, I can yeah, understand yeah. that you one of the tag yeah. <laughs> You don't want a my girl situation on your hands. Uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Uh, Fortunately, even yeah. though the ninja had fallen victim to the throat needle, Jubei does kill Mushizo. Well, 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 the bees inside of Shizo kill him. They, they want to get out. By luring him underwater, he's killed right. him because he gets done in by his own bees. It's That's totally fucking right. karma. It's super gory and totally fucking it's really awesome. cool. I like that bit, yeah. That's by awesome. the way, Eric mentioned a moment ago that Mushizo mentions that Genma uh, knows reincarnation. At least in the English dub, we have uh, Dakuan saying, reincarnation. 
reincarnation? I've heard of the technique. Well, that's from the next scene here, yes. Reincarnation as a technique? That implies that, like, anybody can learn to do it. The quote I wrote down, reincarnation, that's a technique of immortality. (laughs) (laughs) You don't say. (laughs) Yeah, they're having this conversation over at, like, Fushimi Inari. They log all the uh, the red uh, Tori gates, and they're talking about reincarnation. And so I don't know any of those words that you just. Well, said. it's a place in Kyoto, in Japan. It's just like this rows and rows of these these red gates, the red sort of like the like you know. Oh, so like when we see this, this we're supposed to like recognize this as an actual land. I think you could. I mean, because okay. it shows the fox it's statues in Kyoto. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's, it is. It's supposed to be Fushimi Inari or a place very similar to it. It's actually very cool because like there's it's like adopt a highway, but it's like adopt a gate. So like different organizations will uh, like maintain each of the gates, and you can always tell when an organization is like not doing too well because <laughs> their gate will look like shit. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's not healing. And, yeah. and stuff like that. It's like hundreds of these red gates through the forest. It's really cool. Um, I figure that's where they're supposed to be. But yeah, they're talking about reincarnation. We get another... Um, sorry, what was I going to say there? A Jubei... No, so you guys can say something. Well, Jubei and Kagero have a little spat. They well, do. so first, Dakuan just pieces the fuck out. Oh, he's yeah, like, he's gone. He's like, I don't think this team is working out too well. Y'all are a bunch of screw-ups. And he just leaves. And Sorry about the poison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He does not cure Jubei before he leaves, incidentally. Can yeah. I have a chance? Can I get some notes? No, sorry. No, <laughs> You're fired. No more health insurance. <laughs> yes. Goodbye. So Jubei and Kagero have a little a little spat, you know. They're they're all they're both on tender hooks right now. They're really, really stressed. And Jubei reveals during the course of this fight that he has been poisoned by Dakuan. And Kagero seems uh, upset about this. Yeah, and she says, well, I'm only following you because I owe you a debt. And he says, well, I'm only following that guy because I need the antidote to the poison. Yeah, um, yeah they're not really held together by, like, the bonds of patriotic brotherhood. So Definitely much. not. But as they're having their spat, who do they see walking around but Hansa, i.e. the guy who got his arms ripped off by giant rapist earlier. Right. And they, they go up to this cliff. Uh, Jubei decides that he needs, like, a good view of the whole area, so they go to the top of this cliff. And that doesn't really come back. I think they just needed to be at the top of a cliff yeah. for, like, for, like, the white choreography. <laughs> the dramatic scene, yes. 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 Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, Hans is, Hans is walking around. His mouth has been sewn shut. Um, His eyes are plucked out or something. Um, yeah, it's real fucked up. It's pretty up. gross. It's gross. Also, his arms are off, obviously. They did not grow back. <laughs> And in the distance, I mean, look, you can't rule it out. You can't rule that's true. And when reincarnation is like a technique, yeah. then it's a technique of immortality. It's a technique <laughs> of immortality. And yes. This is see this other figure wearing a wearing a wide brimmed hat and like with a cape on. Like, Who is this? Like a, with a chicken? With like a chicken? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason? Yeah. Um, it's that scar lady from earlier, uh, the one that was dishing on. Uh, Yurimaru. Zakuro. Zakuro. Yes. Yeah, and, and so she starts doing her thing, which I found out later her thing is gunpowder, but I thought it was more bees. I <laughs> thought it was bugs too. She has this black powder out. And we're like, ooh, more bees. I was like, oh, these bugs are so kind of redundant. These I mean, bugs pack a punch. But yeah, because she could make some explosion happen. Yes, she explodes Hansa. Hansa is a bomb. Yes. So she explodes him with the intention of killing uh, Jubei and Kagero, who have run up to Hansa to check if he's okay, which he's obviously not. But Jubei notices what's going to happen just a second before it does, throws the two of them off the cliff, and uses his sword string to save their lives. Yes. Now, at this point, 
Um, Zakuro in the English dub gives us a very good line. His flesh is ripped to shreds and grilled. Well done. Such a succulent smell of success. Ha ha. <laughs> that's exactly how it sounds. Really. That, that's it's really good voice acting. Yeah. In English. That's awesome. Yeah, we always try to watch the dubs of old OVAs because they're always amazingly. Well, good. I wanted to watch the dub because I'm lazy. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too much reading. You know? <laughs> if I watch an anime, I don't want to read none. I just want to hear that language I know already. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so they, um, so they're hanging off the cliff, um, they slowly pull themselves up, there's a ton of sexual tension. Yeah, the, the implication for a few scenes now has been that Kagero is falling for Jubei. Mm-hmm. Uh, presumably him falling for her too, although he's, like, just about as sexless as a man can get, mm-hmm. at least in the English dub, so. Well, he's, like, he's, like, doing it Han Solo style, right? Like, yeah. She, like, he's, like, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I love you, I know. Whatever. So they get off the cliff, and immediately this blind dude shows up. Blonde? Blind. Okay. Why not blind? I don't remember him being blind. <laughs> sort of a Californian surfer character in here. <laughs> yeah, weird choice. Up, weird dude? choice. Yo, are you guys fighting the eight devils? Yeah, it's a katana. Sure. <laughs> yes. So blind guy shows up to fight. He is one of the evil. Uh, one of the eight. One of the demons eight. Demons. Yeah, and even though he's blind, he's like hella good at everything. He's basically daredevil. Yes. They have a sword fight in we the bamboo get the, grove. The, the classic blind ninja running through the bamboo thicket sort of thing. And I don't know if that's classic because of this movie or if the, the trope already existed. Well, if but... you watch old, like, like Shambara movies, like Kurosawa movies and stuff, they uh, like that kind of era, they always have, like, fights in bamboo because it was cheap and an easy set to make. But are those dudes, cool. like, blind? Because right. <laughs> the, I, the well, blind person running, I feel like I've seen it other places. You've probably seen it in, um, what's his head? Blind Swordsman. Zatoichi. Oh, that's it. probably where it is. It's probably from Zatoichi. Zatoichi has at least one scene in a bamboo grove. So yes. So what happens here is kind of intricate, and I think that we should take the trouble to explain it. Oh, please do, because I did not catch it. <laughs> so, first of all, um, he's, like, super attuned to sound. Like, just very Matt Murdock. And he says, if you want to kill me, don't make a sound. And Jubei says, that's impossible, but maybe I can turn your t- turn your skill to my advantage. Um, and so he, like, starts chopping shit down to make a lot of racket so that he'll be harder to track. It doesn't seem to do a lot of good. And Majaro is, clearly has the upper hand in this fight. And he starts using Jubei's sight against him by, like, reflecting sunlight into his eyes with his sword. Which makes no sense, because being blind, Majaro would not be able to pick up the... The, the lines. Right. <laughs> he wouldn't be able to see the sunlight line. I guess he can feel the warmth or something. He's so super sensitive it could, to it could be cloudy for all he knows. Perhaps. That's true. He, he's just holding it up for no reason. He's just like, no, no. Is that working, working on you? No? No? Uh, uh, damn. <laughs> but uh, Kagero jumps in and she's she's helping Jubei out. And even though he knows that she's there, uh, Majuro kind of loses track of her. And what happens is that she blocks his strike against Jubei at the same moment that Jubei strikes him. Uh, and so it seems like, it seems to Majaro that two things happened simultaneously. Uh, that Jubei did two sword moves simultaneously. So he says that it's impossible and he dies. Yes. Yes. Kind of a um, abrupt ending to the fight, but... You know. That was a much better explanation. I just wrote down, Jubei does some fancy shit and kills him. <laughs> well, with... With Kagero's help. With Kagero's help, yeah. Yes. Yes. They then, uh, Jubei and Kagero have um, a conversation in the bamboo thicket about her sex life. 
So Jubei asks her, is it true you'll kill whatever man sleeps with you? And in the dub, she says, you'll know if you sleep with me. And then he says... This is uh, my opening line a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You'll know if you sleep with me or where you're going. <laughs> he then says, is your heart filled with poison as well? And she says, how dare you? So asking about her sex life, okay. Yeah. Asking about her poison heart, not okay. Because I hate those who think so little of their own worth. You don't know you're beautiful. Oh, God, gross. Yes. She's insecure, don't know what for. Jubei basically says, like, bitch, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love someone else? <laughs> they, first they find this shipwreck, and yes. they deduce that the ship... Well, actually, their deductive skills are not on point, because they already know that there's a secret gold mine that is at the center of this whole affair, but they don't quite get to, like, the conclusion that the gold is is what's going on. They just are like, huh, this ship must have been carrying something, and that must be what the bad guys want. Yes, it's very vague. It's very... I was, like, very, very confused, to be honest. I think it wants the audience to deduce more than the characters can, but I was, like, drunk as shit by that point, so I'm not gonna deduce anything. (laughs) Seriously. So, yeah, so Kagero passes out. It seems like maybe she's been poisoned. Like, maybe her poison-absorbing skills have finally run their course. But we're told later that it's just exhaustion and the idea that her poison-absorbing skills have run their course never comes back. So, okay, I guess it was just exhaustion. All right, sure, fine. Yeah, well, Jubei, when she wakes up, Jubei tells her she's just too stressed. Like, if she's eating the tomato like an apple... Yeah. Yes. Oh, that is upsetting. So I wrote that down too. That Messy, really that would be. He tosses. I think. I think we're meant to think that he tosses her an apple, but it, it totally looks like a tomato. Shit, tomato. It's a tomato, man. So we get a little scene here in between where we go. We go back to the Chamberlain, Kagero's boss. It's just totally unconcerned. He's like, she's continuing the investigation. We're a tiny ass clan. The only way we can survive is by acting with caution. And this is just sort of setting up the foreshadowing that if she calls for reinforcements, she might not get it. There's a scary horse. There's a... Well, the horse is... The horse is dead, correct? That's why it's scary. Because they think it's a plague horse. So they come up on the beach again, but this time there is a boat where evil ninjas are taking a bunch of the stolen cargo that they presumably got off of the shipwrecked ship. And they are moving it onto this this really grand-looking ocean vessel. And apparently these are the Mochizuki clan? Mm -hmm. Is that correct? And they cleared out the town with the scary horse. They put put a dead horse in town and was like, Oh, God! Yeah! Everyone thought it was plague and, ran, yeah. and all the villagers ran away. So the town is now abandoned. Yes. So the image of the horse is one of the few moments where I thought they really tapped into like the still image artistry that you can do with anime in yes. a really powerful way. Because yeah. like, I thought, yeah, obviously it's an early anime film, so the action sequences aren't going to be as impressive as something that you're going to watch nowadays. But I also felt like a lot of the artistry was kind of like devoid of emotion. A lot of it was just set up to let characters have a dialogue. But something about just like this little bit of stillness before we enter, like, just the insanity of all the violence in the third act of just, like, seeing this horse there and remembering that, like, oh, shit, yeah, like, an entire village of people died, and this is, like, probably really fucking with the heads of every other person Mm -hmm. who's around here. It was, like, a nice little, like, emotional sort of coda before just super ninja fight happens. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and in terms of animation quality, I think that this is well below, like, high-quality animation yes, today. for sure. But still well above low-quality animation of today. I think it's totally charming, you know, despite its age, you know. Well, it, it's clear that, like, money actually went into this. Like, they actually, like, took their time to I animate mean, Madhouse this. does. But if you look at Madhouse's stuff today... It kicks ass. It, it's incredible. So, like, you know. Dakuan comes back and, like, fills in the blanks for our two 
fucking idiot heroes and lets them know that this <laughs> mysterious cargo is the gold. It's from the Yamashiro mine, and they are taking that gold from the Yamashiro mine to the Shogun of the Dark. It's all coming together. It's all it's the, coming together. It's all the plot finally makes some degree of sense for, but, for those of us who tuned out three minutes into the long dialogue sequence. <laughs> it's a good reminder of what I've been supposed to be paying attention to this whole time. Yes. <laughs> but Dakuan is also a fucking idiot because he's been followed by Shijima this whole time. Shijima's the shadow dude. The puppet master guy. Right. First, Kagero blows a bird whistle. Uh, this is before Shijima okay. shows up. We're informed Sh- that it's a Koga ninja bird. Yes, it is a it is a ninja bird. It is a bird that is chained in the ways of the Koga ninja. <laughs> she, blows, she blows a bird whistle and she explains that the uh, ninja bird is going to tell the Chamberlain that the Mochizuki clan is shipping out a bunch of gold. However, we... Later we find out that she has tied a message to it, a handwritten message, but we do not see that at first. No, 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 we do see it because she, toss, she tosses it into the air and she the hawk catches it. Oh my it. god, I completely missed it. I was like, <laughs> so this bird is trained yeah. not only to like respond to a whistle, but to be able to deliver an entire dialogue about clans. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> learned to write. <laughs> the bird knows calligraphy. I was like, what kind of whistle? Like, how specific is this whistle? <laughs> yeah. I, I figured out this now. That thing that he catches? Yeah. That's the ninja scroll. That's that is the, scroll. the, oh, that is the only is. scroll in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I do, I do like the idea of an outtake where it's just Norm MacDonald voicing the bird and just like <laughs> delivering this message. Yes. Like, There's a dead horse. <laughs> so Kagero says she's going to call for reinforcements and it's going to be great. And Dakuan is like, well, you come from a tiny clan. Reinforcements might not come. So it's just once again, like giving us foreshadowing of like, which we are, which I, as I mentioned, we already got one foreshadowing of this, that reinforcements might not be on their way. Yes. Dakuro also teases Kagero about having a crush on Jubei, and then he reveals to Kagero that the antidote to curing Jubei's poison is fucking... So yes. right. she, her body is the antidote. You uh, killed uh, another poison. one of my pickup lines. Yes. <laughs> she, t- yeah, she she says, "Tell me how to save him." And Dakuan whispers something in her ear. We don't find out what it is yet, but he spoiled it, Julia. Did I? I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. I thought they just straight up. <laughs> we can we can, we can <laughs> it later. Okay. Yeah, we don't we don't hear it when Dakuan tells Kagero what it is. We hear it when. Oh, Kagero I think I just tells. already knew it, yeah. so I just like inserted that and in my Jube, mind. Jubei storms off, and Dakuan's like, "When you fight a devil, you become a devil yourself, you stupid boy." Just right. Like, when you fight monsters, you become one yourself, or you can't win. That's yeah. That's, basically, I mean, basically, basically, said English too. Yeah. Okay. They have this whole scheme where Jubei takes off after Shijima, but Shijima uses like a dead dog as a diversion and doubles back. And so Kagero is left unprotected and is kidnapped. I mean, she's a useless woman. So, you know, she gets she gets snatched. Just snatched up by Shizima. A lot of lady snatchers in this movie. Yes. <laughs> so Jubei has to go rescue her. Um, and he's another rapey one. He This Kagero is can't so catch a break, dude. Like, weird. <laughs> so they, ha- yes, he ties her up in the ship, but ship, but he ties her like standing up. So she's suspended standing up, but one of her legs is tied up. So it's 90 degrees, just swung up in the air. And for no reason, I mean, absolutely no reason. He sticks his fingers into her vagina. Like, no reason he's probably, whatsoever. He's probably checking for snakes. And she goes... <laughs> <laughs> if 
there's, if there's one thing I've learned, it's Fool me that... once, shame on you. Fool me twice. <laughs> I know, bitches. They have snakes in their vaginas. Um, and she makes a very pornographic sound, too. It's, yeah, I mean, like, we're joking about it, but it's so creepy and unnecessary. There's just no he, like, justification. He, like, lasciviously licks his fingers and then, like, well, sticks them up there. And, like, like Connor was saying earlier, it's like the movie... Feels like it needs to get like three good nuts out of the pervert yes! <laughs> that are watching it. So like every so often we just need like a totally unnecessary and exploitative sex scene. Yes. Yes. So that happens. Well, um, wouldn't he be poisoned by licking his fingers? It's entirely possible he does not live long enough for us to find out. You don't find out. Yeah. Yes. We come to the big fight between Sh- Jubei and Shijima. There's actually like an awesome red background. It's very atmospheric. Uh, he is using his mind control on Kagero. So she's also attacking Jubei. So she's all, yeah. And But the whole thing comes to a kind of anticlimactic end because even though Shijima has like disappeared into the shadows, you seemingly dematerialized, Jubei just like stabs the shadow and he dies. And it's like, oh no! My only weakness! My only weakness is actually getting stabbed! <laughs> How did you know? How did you know where I went? This reincarnation of Peter Pan's really bleak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so fortunately, as soon as he kills Shizima, Shiz- 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 Jafar. 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 <laughs> uh, Kagero snaps out of the funk that she is in. Then, we cut to Genma. Our first time that we really see Genma. Well, we see... His chin. <laughs> well, we certainly see his chin. There's no missing that. We also see his neck. There's a scar all the way around his neck. Uh, so sure enough, his head was off. And sure enough, it got reattached. Where his wow. head got all the way fucking lopped off. Yep. And it is and he's like, and, and at this point, it seems like they're not in the same place. But he shouts, Jubei! And Jubei shouts, Genma! <laughs> they just knew. And that's how you know a battle's about to be yeah. <laughs> They are beefing. <laughs> beefing over turf. <laughs> it's a telegraph that more just feels like being shocked. <laughs> this isn't so much a nut scene because you know nothing really happens but um it's a it's a, it's a requiem to a nut you know, a requiem to a nut <laughs> <laughs> we do yes so we get this i guess it's supposed to be kind of sweet i don't know it's just kind of sad to me but kagero has been told by dakuan that she has to fuck jubei to counteract the poison kill poison with poison yes so when she and jubei are alone she disrobes mm-hmm. and walks up to him and in, at least in English says, you must take me now. Jubei hugs her. Then he walks away. Kagero feels dumb as shit. And she yells after him, you'll die unless you take me, which is definitely my seduction technique. <laughs> <laughs> so he refuses to sleep with her because he respects her too yeah, much? Yeah, gen- I don't know. He's a gentleman. Like the, yeah, I mean, there's a sort of chivalry here, but the gender politics are just all fucked up. Yeah, there's it, such a mess. She's also almost in tears when she's telling him this, and it doesn't, like, it definitely feels uncomfortable. Like, yeah. there's this implication that because of probably her condition or perhaps things in her past outside of this scene with the rapey monster in the past there's something very sexually unhealthy about this and yes. like it doesn't feel despite the fact that there's been an established attraction that was you know at least like expressed 20 minutes earlier something about this feels deeply unsettling and uncomfortable yeah. to watch even though it like you wouldn't expect from the way that the rest of the movie is panned out that this would be something that she isn't into yeah well i think that there's i mean there's definitely a lot going on with like 
their feelings towards each other and just like the general kind of stereotypical nature of the way that their relationship has been drawn. Yeah. But I think that there's to me it feels like the movie not understanding consent, right? Oh yeah. Oh, well, but, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Cause like she's so she's been like sexually violated over and over by the bad guys. And so like as the hero, Jubei is like, no no you know, but that's, it's just not the same situation when she's asking you to. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Like, I mean, part of me is like, well, maybe he's saying no because he knows she's just been sexually traumatized. And so like, she's not a great place to like consent to sex or something. But I feel like that's far too modern a thought. There's also something a little reductive about that line of thinking. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, you know, Dakawan tried. He's a great wingman. But, uh... He did try. He did try. In fact, uh, one of the very next scenes, we see Jubei and Dakawan lying in wait uh, to well, attack the Mochizukis. Jubei sneaks up on, on Dakawan. He hisses like a cat for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scares the shit out of Dakawan. Yeah. So they watch the ninjas. The ninjas are, like, unpacking the boat, but they're doing it, like, ninja style, where they're still, like, running really fast. Yeah. Yeah. Running running in back and forth. Yeah. Yes. And while they're watching this, by the way, Dakawan is like, so did you fuck her? And Jubei's like, shit. Stop! Dude, no! So this is, yeah, this is one of my favorite, like, I don't know, it's one of the best stupid lines of the movie where he's like, by the way, did you happen to fuck that lady ninja? <laughs> dude, stop! No! Oh my come god, on, you're so dude. No, no! Jubei yeah. gives him a bit of a choking and tells him that it's none of his business to ask that. Another beeswax old man. Yes. Then we cut to Kagero, and it seems that the reinforcements she asked for have actually arrived. So people from her clan show up, and the Chamberlain is there. Or so we think. Yes. Right. Not so much. We, we can tell it's not the actual Chamberlain, because he's not fucking He doesn't have his dick out. His dick is not out. His dick is not out. So, pants and, uh, you know, so, yeah. Um, she she doesn't, uh, despite the fact that his dick is not out, she doesn't seem to cotton on that it's not him until he stabs her. And his face shifts. And it's Genma. It's Genma. And the reinforcements reveal themselves to be more bad guy ninjas. And Jubei just has to, like, mow down, like, 80 bad guy ninjas. Yes. Yes. I, I also was shocked to learn that one of Genma's techniques was shape-shifting, but uh, apparently he it's can just part do... It's, it's part of immortality. It's part of immortality. It's part of a technique of immortality. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a ton of blood spray here in this scene. I loved just... You that loved? It is, yeah. it is pretty dope. Yes. Um, also yeah. dope, Genma's tank top. <laughs> Right, that was the first thing you it noticed is his tank top. cut down to his belly button. It's like a V-neck tank top that is cut all the way down to his belly this button. This is like a shirt that a black comic book superhero would be given yes, in the 70s. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, that is a perfect way of describing it. Or any female superhero. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, we've gotten slightly better in the last four years. Like, super recently. <laughs> But yeah, so we are told that in order to, like, master reincarnation or whatever, you have to have control over, like, every cell of your body. So, yeah, it makes sense that he should be able to shapeshift. What does not make sense to me is why he has a metal arm, which we see in this scene for the first Did time. Did Jubei cut his arm off and I just now, missed it? his arm had, like, it was, like, armor on it, though. I don't think it was just... Why is he just protecting one arm? I don't think he was a cyborg. I think he actually had, like, some armor on his one arm. Why? But just no, the one. That's his punching hand. We'll find out that all later. Okay, so, so my thing is... Like, I don't care if he has a cyborg arm. Like, whatever. You can have whatever technological... Sh- you got a guy with a phone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, like, I, the cyborg arm doesn't bother me, even though it's anachronistic. What bothers me is the idea that he's com- in complete control over all the cells of his body, but he can't regrow the fucking arm. Yeah! <laughs> That's a good point! 
Why? He's gonna reattach an arm later on in the scene, so like. Why didn't he reattach the other one? Maybe Jubei, like, cut it off and then, like, chucked it in the ocean and he couldn't find it again. (laughs) Oh, nice. This might be alluding to the fact that perhaps we're in just, like, a regressive future where we've, you know, abandoned. They've abandoned all technology and they've regressed back to this sort of state. Maybe. This this isn't Edo period. This is, like, future Edo period. And the Tokugawas are back. And all these magical ninja techniques, it's just heightened technology. Yeah. It's Isaac Asimov thing, right? Yeah. So, uh, so Jubei's mowing down ninjas, and it's time for his big showdown with Yuri Maru. And this is where you start to see that, like, maybe eight sub-bosses... Well, I guess one of them is the big boss, but seven sub-bosses is too many for a single movie. 90 because, minutes. <laughs> it's a single 90-minute movie. Because some of these fights are real anticlimactic, and the Yuri Maru fight is one of them. Oh, yeah. Yep. He totally has got Jubei dead to rights... Um, and he would have completely, like, killed him and ended the movie, but he decides he's gonna torture him for a minute first. Yep, zap him up a little bit. Yeah, so he, he, he ties him all up in the, uh, his magical electricity line, and he's just electrocuting the shit out of him, Jubei is screaming, and then, I wasn't sure what was going on at first, but what seemingly happens is a rat crawls out, and Yurimaro gets very distracted by it. I mean, he just keeps like, staring at it. It's a very cute mouse. At first, what I thought, at first, what I thought was that his electricity, some of it was hitting the mouse, and the mouse was dying, and he was like, oh, no, wait, I didn't want to kill the mouse, shit! <laughs> like, he's an animal lover or something. So, yeah, so I thought that it was just, like, a gay stereotype of, like, oh, he's what? in control, he's in control of the situation, but afraid of a mouse. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that what's actually going on is that he, he is noticing that the mouse is full of gunpowder. It's yes. one of Zakuro's like possessed gunpowder zombies. And apparently that tiny little mouse has enough gunpowder to totally kill Yurimaru dead. I mean, blows the, blows the shit, just exploded. And then, I don't know what the Japanese version said, oh, this is really good. but... Um, Zakuro says in the English version, now he's the queen of the devils. And she like <laughs> emphasizes the word queen. Yes. Wow. <laughs> queen. Yes, slay. We don't get that homophobia in the Japanese version at all. Oh, yeah, okay. No, no, no. Well, again, the English Maybe. version just really wants <laughs> to drive home. That home. Hey, did you guys catch that he's gay? Did you know? He he has he voluntarily has sex with men. He's gay. Did you know? He's queen of the devils now? Yeah. yeah. So, but, but one thing that is consistent between both versions is that Zakuro, even though she's talking to Genma, who is Yurimaru's lover, makes no attempt to hide the fact that she just straight up murdered his ass. Yeah. And Genma does not give a shit. He does not care. Again, terrible boyfriend. Terrible yeah. boyfriend. So, Kagero is mortally wounded from being stabbed in the back by the fake Chamberlain, and we get one last extremely problematic scene. I hate <laughs> this part so much, you guys. I hate this. I really so hate it. So do you want to tell him what happens? Yeah. So to sum up, as she's dying... She expresses how thankful she is to have met Jubei because, quote, you're the only one who treated me as a woman and not a ninja warrior. She just wanted to feel like a woman, you guys. Won't anybody let her feel like a Like, damn, I feel like a woman. Like, why wouldn't anybody let her have that moment? It's just, it's so sad, but she's so thankful that he treated her as a woman. And also she throws in, I wish we could have humped. Yeah, it's very sweet. I wish we could have fucked just at least once. <laughs> and he's like, I told you to stay there. Like in his most dorky Greg voice. In his Greg voice, voice. yes. Yeah. Like, yes. Oh, fucking Greg. I, I, I didn't say it like dramatic. It's not even like dramatic. He's like, I told you to stay there. <laughs> it's, just, it's just that middle school teacher yeah, scolding. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So I hate that. I feel like this is like, 
80s and 90s, not even so much 90s, maybe because it's Japan, they were a little behind the times, but like 70s and 80s, and sometimes even still in the 90s, you'd always get these female characters who are like, I just want a man to make me feel like a woman. Nobody's ever made me feel like a woman. Maybe it was like a passion project for the director, and he wrote the script like way earlier, like in 1904 or something. She says, I want to feel like a woman and not just a tool of an Indian clan. She wanted to feel like a human being, but they don't say you treated me like a human being. They say you made me feel like a woman. Yeah, she felt like she was just a tool of the Koga clan. But she wanted to feel like a person. Yes. But she says I feel like a woman. But they say I feel like a woman. Yeah. Weird. So uh, he kisses her, and I guess that counteracts the poison. And then she dies in his arms, and Jubei's action of grief is to immediately well, rip well, his well, sleeves well, off. So first he takes her headband and ties it on himself. Yes. Right. And then he rips his sleeves off. And then he, he buries her at sea. Yes. He does kind of like the Viking funeral, but with no fire. Right. It's, he a, just, it's a ninja funeral, so it's not sneakier. He just, <laughs> he just sets her adrift in a boat. So now he is uh, off to avenge her in his sleeveless wrap of guilt. And he has a horse now. Yes, he has a horse from somewhere. It must be that fucking... It must be the fake Chamberlain's horse. Oh, it probably is. Oh, yeah. It probably is, right? To be fair, ripping off my sleeves and buying a horse is how I've handled all of my breakouts. (laughs) 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 My grief horses are filling up my apartment. (laughs) I really need to stop breaking up with people. This is too many horses. (laughs) So Jubei Rutt, so he has this horse. And the Mochizuki boat, by the way, has now left the shore. It is like, you know, it's sailing away. away. He rides the horse into the ocean. The I don't know how he gets a horse swimmer. to do this. He rides it into the whole, the ocean until it's like up to the horse's chin. And that's how he gets aboard the Mochizuki boat. It's an right, and he, he gets himself in a position to overhear evil meeting mm-hmm. between Genma and the Shogun of the Dark. So the Shogun of the Dark expounds his evil plan. Uh, I wrote Toyotomi up. Takugawa down. Yes! Yeah, that wants, summarizes these nicely. What tie me up? <laughs> I, I feel like I missed something. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, Toyotomi? That's, oh. that's like uh, the Shogun of the Dark's clan that he wants to supplant the... Tokugawa government. He wants yes. to use the gold to buy Spanish weapons. To buy advanced yes. weapons from Spain! Spain. They okay. have the best weapons. Sp- apparently, it during is the known. Edo period, they did. I don't know. And those big pale pants? I mean, during the Edo period... period. Sure. But they training with, with uh, Portugal and Dutch and no, no, the, the Netherlands. Training with the Dutch, yeah, yeah. So where does Spain come? I don't know. Whatever. I'm Spain sure they can do some black market, market deal or whatever. Yeah, conquistadors and stuff. Yeah. Been. But uh, but Genma says my dream is different. Yeah, that's not my dream, Dad. It's yours. <laughs> <laughs> Genma says, in fact, I'm the real Shogun of the Dark. I'm going to take that money. Thank you very much. And use it for my own means. Which is to make the best ninja army ever. Yes, yes. So the Shogun of the Dark is outraged by this. And he tries to kill Genma, but gets killed himself. Yeah, it seems like Genma is given this whole speech of like, I'm gonna be in charge of shit from now on. Don't ever fucking cross me again. And like, the whole thing becomes kind of pointless when he then kills the guy and throws him in the water. Like, if you're gonna really intimidate a guy, like, don't ever fuck with me again... You have to then let him live. Yeah, right. Like, of course he's not going to fuck with you again. What are you talking about? He is deceased. But then again, reincarnation is a technique of immortality. You're so right. Maybe <laughs> I forgot. He's, maybe he's in control of all that guy's cells. Yes, too. possibly. Ta- possibly. All right. So that goes down. We then get a showdown between Dakuan and Jubei versus Zakudo. Right. Uh, and and like Jubei. Right, she doesn't realize that Jubei's there. Again, just 
super anticlimactic. Yeah, they dispatched with her like, real quick. I wrote, I wrote, I wrote, that was easy. Kind of a stupid power. Yes. Because, so she's like completely made of gunpowder. Dakuan almost gets her. He covers her in uh, gasoline or like, or lantern oil or something. Kerosene. I don't know, whatever they used back then. Right. And he's just about to blow her up. And he explicitly says that like, it's handy that she's around because she's going to be the means by which he sinks the ship. Yes. But she throws a knife, which puts out the candle that he's going to use to spark the flame. And so it's looking like our boy Dakuan is fucked. Yes, but then suddenly we see another match get lit and Jubei's there! <laughs> Jubei's there. He's brought the miracle of fire with him. And he lights Zakuro the fuck up and the ship explodes. And he says a cool line. He says, did you miss the flames of hell? He mentions hell. This might just be the English dub, but he keeps mentioning hell. I counted like six or seven times where he's like, but I sent him to hell. Did you miss the flames of hell? Hell is this way. Like, he just will not stop talking about hell. In addition to the added homophobia, they also had to add in some Christian elements. For yeah, the yeah clearly, clearly, right? It's like, okay, it, it, would, it, it barely sounded cool the first time, Jubei. Like, it's starting to seem like a tick or something that you have. Like, you can't go ten minutes without mentioning hell. He's a deeply religious man. Yes, <laughs> as we can tell. I mean, that's why he wouldn't have sex with Kajira. <laughs> like, why are you saving it for me? They're not married. He's like, not a wedlock, babe. Not a wedlock. Uh, put a ring on it, baby. <laughs> yes. Um, so, realizing that his ship is sinking, Genma uh, sends out a message to all his ninjas, which is for them to just lay low on the countryside, and I'll call for you someday. You jump off the boat, and now there's again, like, just like really sweet atmospherics as he and Jubei face off in the burning hold of the ship. It's pretty cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I see Gemma is actually a punch ninja. He does not use a sword. He has his, his armored, his metal arm as kind of his main weapon. A lot of ninja punches and cool blocks of swords with his arm guard. At one point, he, get his, he gets his non-metal arm chopped all the way off. All the way off. Severed. And he manages to just Put it back on. Yes, because yeah. the problem is, because reincarnation is a technique of immortality, he's basically <laughs> able to heal himself whenever. So yeah, he sticks his arm back on. Jubei then headbutts him to death, seemingly, like crushes his oh, face it, and well, skull because he's wearing Kagero's headband. I think that see. gem would really hurt, right? Yes. Yeah. So he just repeatedly <laughs> headbutts him, hitting he his face with the gem. He the shit out. Yes. And his face is all bloody and it's fucked up and caged in. Reincarnation is headbutted. Yes. <laughs> yes, but unfortunately, Genma's head fixes itself. Yeah, re- reforms. And then uh, gets up and grabs... Uh, meanwhile, Jubei's taking all kinds of damage. He's getting... This the snot kicked out of him. Yeah, uh, Gemma's doing the uh, the Captain Kirk move where he uses both hands. <laughs> oh, that uh, Superman punch! Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how well that works in real life. I'm honestly not. I but... want to point out because the listeners can't see this that like Ryan and Joanna were both compelled to like actually do that. Yes. Uh, when you join your hands, hands together, together and you raise fist. them above your head into one big fist, and then you if just you've bring seen it down. Captain Kirk fighting the alien at any point in Star Trek, he does well, a fist down, he, a fist to the side. Yes. But it's like both hands connected. You, yeah, you put both of your hands together and yeah. you just like wail. It's like you're using a sword and then a lot less effective. <laughs> yes. no sword. You have no sword. Connor is now the only person at the table who has not felt compelled to mind this. <laughs> he did it! He did it! He <laughs> <laughs> got him! I'm going to start doing like oh, a bartender <laughs> dance. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you segue directly <laughs> into cocktails. Yes. <laughs> it looks like there's no way to kill Genma. Like, there's just nothing you can do. You chop his arm off, he puts it back, you bust his face to shit, he, he, he gets right back up. Up, and he's just beating the hell out of Jubei. There's no way for Jubei to win. 
Yes. Jubei runs him through and cuts him in half, but we see he even starts to heal from that. But then... A wave of molten gold. The solution is molten gold. Molten yes. Gold. Now, I, I... I'm not like a chemist or anything, but I feel like, would a wood fire really be hot enough to create molten gold sweeping through the gold ship? Gold is a very metal. soft metal, isn't it? But yeah. wouldn't it be like eating all the way through the ship and then like well, just going to the bottom of the ocean or well, something? Like, the- how is it not burning through the deck? I think, it, I think it's just cool, Joanna. I think it's just, <laughs> yeah, I think it's just a cool thing. Even uh, though it's hot gold, it's still very cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, anti-capitalist imagery doesn't care yeah. about physics. Yeah, that's, that's true, that's All fair. that molten gold he's going to buy Spanish weapons with or whatever. No, it covers his body. He gets covered in gold. He gets gilded. The irony or the goldery of it all. The goldery of it and all. And then Jubei says, burn in your golden hell! Because dude loves mentioning hell. <laughs> More. Again, with the hell. hell. He also says rules. so at the beginning of their fight. He also mentions hell. He says that if you got all that money, you would like turn the world into a world of demons or something. Something yeah. like that. And if yeah, you yeah. like yeah. demons so much, you should go Archie to marry one. No. Fuck. Yeah. So the implication here is that Genma, who will never die, will survive encased in gold in molten gold or golden mold. <laughs> <laughs> At the bottom of the sea forever. What a fucked up way to go. Yeah, that's pretty terrible. That's pretty terrible. But yeah, that's where that fight ends. And then the ship presumably sinks. Sinks. It sinks. It kind of like hits the ground. Like hits like the bottom of the water and kind of like sticking out of the, sticking out of the water a little bit. And Jubase is like hanging out on it. Yeah. Right. So we get this aftermath scene where he's clinging to the shipwreck. Dukuan shows up. He, Dekuan is like an asshole. He tells Dekuan to fuck off. Yeah. Well, he says like, hey, sup? At least Kagero got to do ya before she died. Basically. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. He's like, like, As a man of God, I can't <laughs> I can't frame him back. He's like, I got you fucked, son. <laughs> and, and I don't kiss and tell. And, and, and he says, um, and Jubei asks, was that your plan all along? And Dekuan says, to read and control people's hearts is the true secret of the ninja. Like, Which, is it? No! no. human heart in your hands is a secret of the ninja. Yeah. <laughs> but that's to set people up on a sex date? What the fuck? Yeah. So, I don't know. There's a little bit of business here uh, It's not worth explaining where it seems like Dakuan was planning to betray Jubei and kill him, mm-hmm. but Jubei gets the better of him, but Dakuan is not concerned because Jubei is so, like, has sustained such injuries that he's probably going to die right there on the shipwreck and never make it back to shore. But we get one final shot, which shows us that Jubei does, in fact, live. He carries Kagero's headband tied to his sword sheath. Yes. And in the memory of her. The woman he knew for one day, by the way. It was like a weekend, yeah. No, yeah, it was like a day. Like, they mentioned that it was like a day. Yeah, and she's like, oh, you melted my poison heart. And he's like, you know, it's been a, it's been a day, Kagero. Yeah. <laughs> But, and then, that's the end. That's Ninja Scroll. We get a romantic ballad over the ending credits. Yeah, like every anime has to have. Yep. A nice slow slow jam. The inconsistency of the Western imagery is really interesting. Because, like, I remember I took, um, I took like, a Japanese cinema course. I know that, like, I, I can't remember exactly the details because I was usually hungover in class. But, like, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the Western is, like, a really common trope in Japanese cinema, both anime and film. But it was weird that, like, there seemed to be these, like, little tonal inconsistencies between 
between that. So it's like obviously the framing is very western. Mm-hmm. You have the Lone Ranger coming into town, the Lone Ranger leaving town. But then there's like all the ninja stuff in the middle of it. Right. And the, even the protagonist, like he isn't like a typical western, like has a cigar and spits on the ground and doesn't say much. Like he's supposed to be kind of a wisecracky kind of guy. Also a Christian. Yeah, also a, Christian, <laughs> a, good, a, a man of the Lord. <laughs> yes. But um, yeah, and then there's like the weird kind of like magical futurist sort of stuff. Sort of, and, yeah. And so definitely like I thought of the scene with the flower, the pollen bee scene, that for me, given the limitations of what they could do, is one of the coolest concepts that they showed on screen. Yeah. Just, like, the, army of bees and the anesthetic flowers coming out of the mm-hmm. sleeves and stuff. Yeah, for me, I just had, like, a really hard time trying to settle into what the fuck I was supposed to be looking at. <laughs> like, um, yeah. sex crimes. Yeah, sex crimes, yeah. <laughs> is the answer. Yeah. It's, it's Ninja Scroll, man. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. It is what it is. It is, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even a scroll. It was a tiny one. The tiny one. tiny scroll. The question, like, the question is, I... This to, to to just really oversimplify the hell out of it. Is this movie awful or awesome? Is this movie great or it, garbage? I think it could be two things, Eric. Because like the movie, it's, I think the animation's pretty cool. I think like the action scenes are pretty awesome. The sex crimes it could do without. The sex um, crimes are terrible. The plot is needlessly complex. I feel like it probably would have been better as maybe like a short series. Or what it felt like series. was hmm. what they do sometimes where they have a whole season of an anime and then a movie comes out that condenses right. the whole season into like two hours and things move very fast. Like. There are a lot of like sweet character designs in this movie. And, yeah. and like if, if these characters if some of these characters had gotten like less anticlimactic battles yeah that would have been totally awesome right it just they didn't have enough time to like do them all justice they put too many characters in too many like pretty objectively interesting cool care well their powers anyway i'm not sure that they got like that much development on a human level <laughs> but um i think they're all sketched out pretty clearly though you know oh yeah you kind of have an idea of who everybody is well i mean everybody's trying to fuck genma that's basically that. like, we're all <laughs> except for b guy he doesn't have any interest <laughs> we don't know that, everyone who doesn't <laughs> want to fuck genma wants to fuck kagero maybe genma yeah. fucks his uh the holes in his back <laughs> All right, podcast over. <laughs> it's like whack a mole with his dick. Like every time a beat comes out. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> what if it made a noise too, like that gator game? You know, where you have to hit the gators. Yeah, yeah. Ouch! Ouch! <laughs> now yeah, I'm if angry. You, if you pick the wrong hole and you get all the bees, you are not <laughs> yeah. happy. Not. What was it? Gross! Gross! <laughs> Tell McLaughlin what you find. Fuck a man with a beehive on his back. <laughs> I was here talking about foreign policy. Gross. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, fucking bees is a technique of immortality. <laughs> so I think we conclude this movie's awesome. Uh, well, I want to know, Ryan, what Common Sense Media thought about it. Well, oh, yeah. okay, well hang on. Yeah, so I made it a, uh, an effort to kind of do some research on this movie and how other people view it. Uh, it turns out at the Ubari International Fantastic Film Festival in 1993, it got the Citizens Award. It was top rated. For, um, for citizenship, no doubt. Yeah, for yes. citizenship, yeah. Good and Rotten Tomatoes has 93% uh, rating with an average rating of 7.5 out of 10. Whoa. I also found out that a sequel OVA was, is in the works, or was <gasps> in the works, has oh. been working in the works since 2008, so it's kind of in development hell, hmm. as well as a, you know, Warner Brothers owns the rights to it. They've been trying to make a live action remake of it, produced by Leonardo DiCaprio. What the fuck? It has not made off the ground. He actually wanted to, originally wanted to put Smap in as the main character. Shut up! Like the Japanese boy band. Um, They're like in their 50s now. That's why I think this is pretty old news. Um, 
But anyway, yeah, so as Rowena mentioned, I went on to Common Sense Media, which uh, for all you other Christian moms out there, is great for us to know what to show our kids, what age is okay to watch Ninja Scroll, and luckily there was a very uh, detailed page about all the things that you should worry about with Ninja Scroll. So parents need to know that Ninja Scroll is a classic anime made in 1993. If your child is a fan of the genre, he or she will eventually come upon this movie, much like Joanna did as a child. It contains severe... Hopefully not exactly. Hopefully not exactly like I did. It contains extreme, severe fantasy violence with fighting, gushing, and raining blood, slicing and dicing, pummeling, and death. It also contains a brutal rape sequence in which a monster forces itself onto a naked girl, and there is a very vivid man-on-woman sex scene as well. Language is much stronger if viewers choose the Japanese language subtitles over the English subtitles. So it turns out the version you guys watched... More cusses? More cusses. That's just because we're the most mature in the Yeah, but you guys are yeah, too young. <laughs> it says, It's beautifully made with some incredible action and artwork, and the male and female heroes have some admirable qualities, but parents should exercise strong caution and showing this to kids under 17. I want, so, to, I want to see what the discussion questions now, were. Yeah. <laughs> every movie in Common Sense, they rate it under seven different categories and how badly it rates. So, for example... For positive messages, it has one star out of five. <laughs> <laughs> and so, the hero Jubei begins the story as a loner, working only for money, and is uninterested in other causes. He becomes involved in the battle against his wishes, but eventually learns to work with others toward an uncommon goal. Unfortunately, part of his journey involves revenge, so that's why he only has one star out of five. Positive role models and representations, one star out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Similar reasons, because, you know, he's going for revenge. They say, Kagero is a tough, powerful character, but she suffers rape by a monster. So it's a mixed bag with some admirable traits here and there. Uh, violence, five out of five stars. <laughs> Very strong fantasy violence here with sword fighting, gallons of blood, and a blood rainstorm, electrocution, limbs ripped off, drinking of blood, bodies and heads split in half, eyeball piercing, head butting, dead bodies, dead animals, and various scary monster images. That's a main cool character that, dies. It's cool that this and Saw have the same violence yes. rating yes, in right. sense media. I like the sex rating, four out of five stars. There was a rape! Four out of five? <laughs> this is like how much there is in the movie. This is like... There's a Four out of five stars. There's a lot of rape in this movie, is what I was trying to tell us. <laughs> okay. um, a man has sex doggy style with a woman. Doggy style with a woman? Wow, I love to specify that. Yeah, that I have fucking to tell you rules. what position it is. <laughs> it we didn't even go that far. Yeah. I like imagining someone's like, listen, we wouldn't let you watch this if it was missionary. Yeah. <laughs> we can't. We Demo can't. Position. Yeah. Let's just say it appears to be consensual with nudity, thrusting, grunting, and moaning. Uh, in another scene, the heroine takes off her clothes and offers herself to the hero. It will apparently help save his life from deadly poison, and he refuses. No mention of rape in the sex category for some reason. Or the Why? pussy snakes. Or the pussy or the snakes. snakes. <laughs> for language, there's two out of five here. Uh, much stronger than the Japanese version of the English uh, with English subtitles. So a lot of times, in, in probably the version you guys watch, that shit a lot. Yeah. There's no shits in the version we watch. No shits. Uh, there's very little swearing, actually. Well, like, a lot of hell and bastard, uh, but that's about it. As far as smoking and drinking, uh, <laughs> only one star out of five. Least of your concerns if you're watching really? this movie, let's be real. The old man, Dakawan, is once seen drinking something from strong from a gourd, though the movie never discloses what it is. It's piss. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's piss, babe. Consumerism, not present. So he's talking about consumerism and how much makes you want to buy stuff. So, like, for example, I looked at the reviews of Fortnite. They do yes. video games, too, now. Oh, Fortnite yeah. is, like, like, five out of five consumerism because it wants kids to, like, buy packs and stuff. Here's the thing. Yeah. Common Sense Media is like, it always had this air to me that it was like fundamentalist parents being like way too controlling about what their kids watch, but I actually like the fact that they have a consumerist yeah. category because like studios do that shit. Sure. To, like make kids yeah. want to buy toys, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wanted a rice ball after I finished <laughs> <laughs> you. So here's some questions to talk to your kids about. Oh my god. Families can talk about the movie's extreme violence. What effect did it have on you? How did it make you feel? Did you feel tense or excited or disturbed? 
So everyone, how did you feel about the violence? How did it make you feel? What effect Warmed did it happen? Warmed up. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm born you. I wanted to stick a snake up my vagina Mine. immediately. I don't know. I think it must have been different watching this in like the mid-90s or the mm-hmm. early 2000s or something when this was like really the peak of violent animation. Sure. Just looking back on this now, it definitely like, it is cool as a historical work, but I didn't find any of the actual violence itself particularly disturbing. I thought the really disturbing parts were like, when the woman comes back uh, into the village um, and mm-hmm. just looks completely dead, or like, yeah. what's his name comes back with his eyes dished Hansa, together. There's yeah. more disturbing imagery, really, than the violence itself, because the violence itself is just so it's, fucking, like, comically it's over, over the, the top. top. It bothered yeah. me so much as a cat. I remember this, and, um, oh, what's it called? Metal, um, God, what is that called? Heavy Metal? Heavy Metal. Heavy Metal 2000. Yeah. Those are the two movies that really bothered me as a kid in terms of their violence, and I have watched both as an adult, and it just seems like nothing. It's baby now. stuff now, yeah. That's just how desensitized yeah. they are. There's almost something more disturbing about Akira, because it's just, like, such full-scale cataclysmic violence. Right. I, I don't know what that says about me, that, like, I think that that's more disturbing than people getting decapitated. I, but, I, like, I mean, in Akira, when the bear starts, like, sweating milk... I'm out! Yeah, like, that's more fucked up than anything. <laughs> I think part of the thing too is that like a lot of people getting killed and sliced and diced in this movie like nobody's really a particularly good person so like it doesn't bother me that I mean much. we could, they just had families Joanna. they could be I know they could yes that's true like conceivably like oh they could be innocents we don't know like their reasons not, for getting right. into this life they could have families depending on them but none of that's shown I mean we so. get we get a whole like village of dead people though. that's I thought, sad that, that's like that's, that's probably sad. the saddest part yeah there's another question here. As a ninja, is Kagero a strong female hero or is she a stereotype? Wow. So what, is she a strong female hero? Um, no. <laughs> no, not in the least. I hate she that whole cool like, stuff though. I hate that whole reductive shit where it's like we can do like every sexist thing in the book to this character, but because she's a fighter, then she's like a, strong a badass female strong female well, character. It's not even sorry, go ahead. I, I think that like again, I for the time that this was made, they probably thought they were being super progressive. Yeah. Because right. she like you know, she she like does some action stuff and like helps out every once in a while. But like, yeah, it would really be great if she could have like actual agency and control over the plot. I'm not even sure that for the time it's entirely excusable through that though, because like I actually got an argument about Ghost in the Shell yesterday because I like definitely ascribe to the idea that Ghost in the Shell is like a post gender film and that like the aesthetics of I'm blanking on her name, but like the lead character is basically naked all the time. Kota. Yeah, yeah, Kota. Kota. versus her um, agency, her agency and her like functionality within the film. There's such a stark uh, contrast between the two of those. Where if you're just looking at the film from an aesthetic perspective, she is a sex figure, but nothing that she does is sexual throughout the right. film. She mm-hmm. is like entirely in control of everything. She has so much power, and all that is divorced from her as a sex symbol. Her nudity never seems particularly sexy. Exactly. It's, it's in, so I, I definitely like ascribe to the post-gender uh, theorist's approach to Ghost in the Shell, but in this one, her functionality is entirely sexual. Pretty and much. like, a lot of her action, obviously she's like a slicer dicer ninja woman, but like, the main thing that she can do for our protagonist is to fuck him and cure him. Yeah, she, yeah. And she never is just like, let's make out. She's like, in here now. now. Yeah. That's like, the thing. In the end, they just like do basically a closed mouth kiss. Yeah. Kills him, so and why the, do you have to fuck? And the way that like, and not, not only that, but like the way that she tries to initiate sex is like, she always just like throws her clothes off and is like, here is me, the object. Go ahead and take mm-hmm. it. You know? Yeah. yeah. There's nothing, never anything like, what's the word? I'm like, proactive. Yeah. 
And it's also like, you know, you could make the argument that there is a forced servitude there, particularly because of her, like, very traumatic approach, even... Um, why can't I remember the names of the characters he's talked about for two hours? But, like, <laughs> even, even voluntarily when she's, like, giving consent, there seems to be, like, a very negative approach to it. But then, like, the fucking rape scene, there is, again, I can't get over the fact that it cuts away to her face and it's, like, very unclear if it's meant to be erotic in the way that it's, like, mm-hmm. shown yeah. to the audience. And that, to me, just, like, I, I can't ascribe any sort of positive feminine characteristics if they can't make it explicitly clear that the rape scene is supposed to be extremely upsetting for the viewer. <laughs> like, right. That there's, that there's even a hint of ambiguity well, it's, in there. I don't even, th- I don't think it's ambiguous. I mean, the, the rape scene is clearly meant to be sexy. Sure. And it's, which is just super fucked up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it's interesting because like, that's what I find disturbing about the movie, right? It's like not... It's not all the violence totally desensitized to that. Yeah, whatever. It's, it's being shown all this sexual violence, and clearly you're supposed to think it's cool. Mm-hmm. You know? like It's supposed to turn yeah. you on. Right. Did it? <laughs> Honestly, no. Okay, when I was like... 12, yeah. I feel like I could feel like all my sex or like my, my uterus and my ovaries and just floping tubes, everything just crawling further up into no, my no, body. No, 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 no. My breasts became concave. Yeah. It just went completely in. Um, I stopped menstruating for a good two years. This just... <laughs> Do that guy's ninja scroll. I was very upset. I was very, very puberty. upset. Scrolls. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, nature's puberty blocker. <laughs> Any other questions I have were like, "Hey kids, did you follow the plot?" Because like, uh, no. no. <laughs> but I wanted to wrap this up. If you're taking notes, the plot is actually correct. <laughs> so, what's nice about common sense media is that you can, like you can just you can take their opinion as your own, or you can post your own opinion in the form of reviews. Oh opinion. hell yes! Oh, I God. saw these. Here's one called uh, this person's name is nervous parent of three boys. <laughs> <laughs> They gave the movie one yeah. nervous as one of three boys. <laughs> you should be <laughs> to a parent of a thirteen, fifteen, and sixteen-year-old. She gave the movie one star out of five. Uh, of any anime, I will not let my teens watch this one. Horrible for my teens. I won't let them watch this even when they're forty-three. They don't even be watching graphic sex. This title contains sexy stuff. Um, <laughs> when, when they are 43, they don't need your permission to watch graphic sex. I will say, though, like, if you're under 35 and you watch this movie, you might want a good cuddle yeah. after <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. Another review, this was by Holly R. She's listed as a parent of an infant-year-old. <laughs> she says, a girl gets raped in one scene, but the guy dies afterwards, and it's really gross. It's a really violent, stupid movie. That, like, you should not- I don't know why you're reviewing this if you have an infant. <laughs> why, why are you showing your baby ninja scroll? <laughs> well, we have, a, we have a contrasting opinion from uh, Static Boy. Well, I ended up showing my baby oh. hatefully. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you, you, you don't. Your Static Boy 88, he's an adult. Uh, he gives me five stars out of five. An anime classic that contains strong R rated content. Ninja Scroll is a fantastic work of animation, both vibrant and exhilarating. One of the best action titles in anime history. However, don't let the fact that it's animated fool you. Ninja Scroll contains hard R rated content such as bloody and gory violence, sexuality, nudity, and rape. You before you let your teen watch it. So he's like, I love this movie. Yeah. It's freaking epic. Um, they also, kids can leave reviews oh, on these the, as well. The kids' comments are all like, yeah, my parents, boop. Ninja <laughs> <laughs> Scroll only has one kid review. It's my kid, eight years old. What? Uh, they gave it one star. The, ki- the title of the, of the review is STUPID in capital letters. The review is STUPID in lowercase letters. It's <laughs> just guys, eight year olds hate Ninja Scroll. <laughs> So don't let your kids watch this. Not because it's going to be bad for their developing minds, but because they'll think it's stupid. Stupid! 
Um, not, I, I just, I'm on the Fortnite page of yeah. Common Sense Media now and reading the kids' reviews. Um, I mean, they're probably age, like bumping it up, right? Age 18 plus, one star. Uh, this is, every time I stop, it's a period. Addictive. Can't stop. Can't sleep. Like crack. <laughs> this game is so addictive. I'm lying to my parents. Skipping school. Stay up all night playing. This game owns me. Exactly like crystal meth or crack. <laughs> exactly! <laughs> no difference. Exactly like that. Oh, I wish Ninja Scroll had those kind of reviews. Because, yeah. I mean... It's exactly like Crystal Mother Crack. <laughs> if Crystal Mother Crack caused you to and that I was sweating, a, I was sweating a lot and very nervous about <laughs> yeah, what was happening. Yeah. And things weren't really making sense. Well, unlike Fortnite, where you can't stop, uh, Ninja Scroll is like you have the sensation of like, okay, I've watched twenty minutes of this. Is it time for another break? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, anyone have anything else they want to add? I thought they uh, tie back into the Spanish thing. Like, I'm really, like, yeah, like you said, I'm really trying to figure out where that was going. I remember I saw, um, have you guys heard of Belladonna of Sadness before? So it was, I've heard of it from you. Weird anime. Yeah, it's a weird anime from the 70s that was just, like, basically bootlegged in the US for Mm -hmm. about 30 years, and they finally did a 4K restoration in 2016. And it takes place in the same era of Japan. Um, a woman is basically like raped by a king and then the devil comes to see her and is like hey you want to take revenge on him and she's like yeah so the devil fucks her and she gets these like superpowers so the whole thing is like kind of a western mm-hmm. but in the middle of it there's a 16 minute long orgy scene set to a psychedelic music background and um <laughs> oh my god it's like, re- like Jefferson Airplane <laughs> yeah just Wait, like there's just random see? like flashing <laughs> colors and shit just people fucking all over ah, the place dude. it's really metal um but and then the random end of it is just like, and that's how the French Revolution was started. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, and I'm watching this, I'm like, this is fascinating. And now that I've seen another one where there's this weird, like, European tie-in, mm-hmm. I want to, like, learn more about the history of Japan to see if I can make any sort of connection between these, like... Well, but during, like, the Oeda period, they were largely... They were kind of cut off. Closed. Cut off the rest of the the world. The Dutch traders could get in, and that was about it. Yeah. That is... I really can see that show. I I love it. Maybe for our next podcast, we should watch Belladonna of Sadness and talk about that. I like that. I think that might be a good one. I'm down. (laughs) Yeah, I would love to come back. I think it would also be a good tie into this, because it's like also a pretty sexually violent movie, but they Mm. didn't have the... uh, animation capacities at the time so it's really cool i guess i won't spoil the whole thing but um it's a lot more filming large tapestries moving from side to side and sort of like taking that traditional style of storytelling through painting and trying to put it on film in the most basic way possible cool uh, yeah, man. It's super cool how many vagina snakes are in it i think two. Oh my god <laughs> rating two vagina snakes <laughs> <on five. laughs> i think that's probably a ra- best rating we can come up with in this movie <laughs> yeah I think that's a good place to end it, too. Two yeah. vagina snakes out of five. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, if anybody still is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, make sure you check them pussies for snakes. Uh... <laughs> yeah, bye. <laughs> bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs> Coro,